0: Going live. All right. And we're live. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Growing the Fishes Podcast 289. I'm your host, Steve with Potaponics. And this week we have a gentleman who I wanted to have on for quite a while. It took a little bit of finagling schedule wise, but uh, I'm certainly super happy to have him on the show finally. I think you guys are going to find him as awesome of a guest as I do. Uh, We have Martin's World all the way from Ireland. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks very much for having me. So it's really a pleasure. Uh, uh, Early in the morning, here it is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's joining us uh, quite late his time. So we had to move the show up a little bit today. So if you're wondering why we're at a normal time, it's because he's in Ireland and he's joining us live. So we try to be a little (laughs) bit uh, mindful of his time as well. Yeah, you're very accommodating. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. I really appreciate your time as well. Um, also, if you guys haven't checked it out before, be sure to check out, uh, Marty and I have our own, uh, Aquaponic cannabis class. You can find over at APMJclass.com. Uh, also be sure to check out, we have the Supernatural conference coming up here at the end of July. Um, you can find that, oh man, I'll pull up the website here, um, later on in the episode, uh, and, and plug that as well, but be sure to check that out at the Supernatural conference in Oklahoma, uh, the last weekend of July. I'll be speaking there along with a wonderful, uh, group of other people. Um, Wendy Kornberg will be there from Gungineer, uh, as well as uh, Patrick King from Soil, Soil King, he'll be there as well, uh, and um, a whole bunch of other awesome speakers, uh, Chris Trump, and um, a whole bunch of other wonderful, wonderful people. Alrighty, uh, uh, thanks a lot for joining us today, uh, Martin's World. Would uh, uh, you ever call you Martin, or what, what would you prefer? Yeah, Martin.
1: Uh, Martin sounds good. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, thanks a lot for joining us. Um, for those of you that don't know him, he has a wonderful podcast called Martin's World. I, I enjoy following it uh, uh, on the weekends and, and also during the week as well and, and whenever else I can tune in. And um, uh, he is one of the main activists over there in Ireland that really helps kind of push this whole thing together. He's also a, a medical cannabis patient himself, um, uh, has a seizure disorder and uses it to treat his own medical ailments. So you know, he really is leading the the way for legalization in Ireland and really fighting the good fight by providing both a podcast and then also in-person um, you know representation when when these things matter. And uh, I really appreciate um, you taking the time to come and join us today. You are really one of the people I kind of look up to in terms of the activist side. I think you kind of set an example for people on how to go about doing it uh, in a lot of different ways, and I'm excited to have you on today. So thanks a lot for joining us.
1: Yeah, no problem. I, I suppose I've, I've been at this quite quite a while, so I'd want to be kind of getting good at it now at this stage. <laughs> um, but but it wasn't really by by choice that I became an, an activist. Uh, I suppose, like many activists out there, I, I became activated. I, I think that that is the the term really. I became activated because of um, my, my own lived experience uh, through cannabis. Uh, I was first introduced to cannabis by my cousins uh, in the form of hash over here in Ireland and this former soaper um, wasn't really the, the best quality of, uh, of cannabis uh, really at the time, to be honest, um, but it was good for, for what it was. Um, but that, that was uh, how I got introduced with her about 15. It was uh, quite a positive experience uh, and it wasn't until I got caught with cannabis then at 17 um, that I first experienced the negative sides of cannabis. Um, which is when you get caught with it, um, and that that kind of led me down a long road. Then of activism, uh, I went home that night after the cops, the guardi here at the side of the road read the law that I broke, which was uh, the Section Three of the 1977 Misuse of Drugs Act. So I went home, I looked that up, and it's kind of like, geez, 1977. We're in 2000 and odd here. Like, kind kind of what what's going on here? Surely there's uh, surely there's been a lot. We've learned a lot more since then. Um, but no, sadly, we, we we haven't really like we're still believing a lot of the myths and hysteria that, that was told back then. And I couldn't really believe it what, what I experienced that evening. Uh, it, it was horrible. It was uh, it was traumatic, really. To, to have your privacy your your violated like that. Your, your um, your just just uh, I suppose your your liberty, your your freedom, like it was infringed upon. You know that the guards that came to stop me and I was do I my own oh, eyes I was doing nothing wrong. Um, yes, I was in possession of this substance, but who, who was really at risk? Like what 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 warranted, like what justified what happened that evening? Like that the violation that I, I experienced of my privacy, my freedom of travel, because that that's what happened. I, I was stopped when I was going from A to B, not because I was driving dangerously, but because my car was profiled. Because I was profiled as a driver of that car as a young person at the time, a young male driver, and and yeah, I suppose that's it. The long story short, and I, I didn't like what happened. And uh, I I kind of really just took a stand on it since then. Um, I met some great people throughout the years. And uh, yeah, we, we've uh, let, let a good, strong fight here. And the, the, the fight is really uh, strong here now in Ireland. The community is really getting uh, much stronger here. There, there's a much more united front now going forward um, than there ever was before. Um, so I'm really hopeful of uh, of the change that's uh, hopefully only around the corner here in Ireland, um, but it has been a, a long long road travelled.
0: <laughs> now, I'm unfamiliar. Do you guys have an unlawful search and seizure law the way the United States does, or is that not at all you know present within Irish law?
1: No, uh, see that's the problem with the Misuse of Drugs Act, and it was brought up actually interestingly enough at the time when the, the these acts uh, were being introduced um, as the the how that these powers being bestowed upon Gerdie were going to infringe upon people's rights, privacy, freedom of travel and all of that. um, And it was completely ignored. Um, So since the introduction of these laws back in 1977, the the Gerdie here, uh, they have effectively can stop and search anybody they suspect of being in possession of drugs. And, and like, what does that mean? There, it, who they suspect, like uh, who's going to fit that, that description? I, is it going to be your politician in a suit or is it going to be the young in a hoodie? <laughs> and, and it's like, is a politician in a suit any less likely to be doing drugs? I think not um, that they, they actually tested the toilets and the uh, the dial hair where our government meet and uh, they found traces of cocaine in the bathroom of the Doyle. Uh, where they also have a subsidized bar. Uh, also, you know, just to add that in that we subsidize the alcohol consumption there for government politicians too, which is quite funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we we don't have any kind of uh, unlawful stop and searches around drugs anyway. As soon as a guard says that he's a suspicion, and that suspicion can simply be, oh, you smell like cannabis. It's like, how is a guard even trained to smell cannabis? I'm like, I. I it's, it's just the most abused law. It's, it's a, one of these abused laws that, that the guards know that they, you've got no power as an individual to challenge them once they suspect you of being in possession of drugs. So it's, 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 a, yeah, it's a tough one. So I, I've made it my business now to, to, to really challenge the, the, the guards uh, over here um, because uh, we've got uh, CBD flowers and stuff like that here now as well. Um, so there, there's kind of this gray area that these things are existing in where there's like a low amount of THC. So under European law, it's seen as a food stuff. Um, so we're, we're kind of having a bit of fun with that in the courts here at the moment where they're, they're trying to do people for cannabis possession. But it's technically not fitting the description of uh, cannabis as per the Misuse of Drugs Act um so so we're having a bit of fun with them on, on that one we're, we're using their uh, willingness to do their job against them
0: <laughs> yeah then that's how, that's how you help break the system is you throw a few wrenches in the gears
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that, that's it like i like i think once you you, you can shake the fair fair of the, the authorities then really as a community going forward you can really do do a lot to, to get the change that you need um you know i i I think that's what, what's mostly needed uh, to shed the the shackles of prohibition is a united community going forward and a community of people, for, for one, who use cannabis, um, just acknowledging the fact that, look, nobody's getting harmed in doing this. If we're using cannabis responsibly, then what is the problem? And once we see that we're doing no wrong and we, we, we believe in ourselves and, and that what we're doing is right, then, then why, why fare any authority who come out you? Because if, if they're to punish you, is they're, they're on the wrong side of this. We've seen this in other instances, you know, with, with uh, how we treated gay people in the past, how we p- uh, treat, treated people of color in the past, you know, and uh, we've seen how laws that once existed just because something was a law didn't actually make it right. Just because, you know, what we, well, was a buggery here in Ireland was the term. If two men were engaged in buggery, that was seen as to be an immoral a, a, a act and a crime, and it would be punished. And uh, that there's still people actually walking around Ireland today with uh, convictions for uh, engaging in buggery, which is ridiculous. Um, but again, can't, the way we treat people who use cannabis is no more different because, like, what, what, what right has a government to prohibit a behavior? Because that's, that's effectively what they're trying to do. They're trying to prohibit a behavior. And, and if we were to allow them to prohibit this behavior, you know, where, where do we draw the line? At what point like uh, can, do the government get to come along and say, Hey, look, actually, you know, your, your consumption of cheeseburgers, it's getting a bit out of hand. We're, we're going to limit your cheese or consumption to, to fucking one cheeseburger a week. Or do you know, like, you know, if we, in the interest of your health, because that that's effectively what they're saying In the interest of your health, we're prohibiting your use of cannabis. Um, <laughs> it just makes no sense it's like they might as well start now but prohibiting our, our abuse of cheeseburgers if, if you want to put it that way too it's, it's, it's just ridiculous
0: oh absolutely and for those of you that aren't aware in the united states um uh, police officers can't just randomly search you because they have to have probable cause and that's how many people actually get their drug arrest overturned is because they were falsely searched or under a searched under a false premise um a a smell also just because you smell like weed um there's multiple circuit courts i believe three different circuits courts now in the united states that have all ruled in favor of the person who is being searched so you know know your law and stand up for yourself when it's appropriate shut the fuck up if you don't know
1: yeah i think they have that in the the uk as well we're unfortunate here in ireland that we're not we don't have a good justice system they always find in the favor of themselves and <laughs> but over in the uk as well the smell of cannabis isn't a probable cause of uh, for for first stop and search because again you know what is the smell of cannabis really like officers aren't trained for it and there's so many things out there now that smell like cannabis these days
0: absolutely um, so you do quite a bit in the activist space in, in Ireland. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your activism, because you are quite passionate, and I, I certainly <laughs> enjoy listening to your activism uh, on your show.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, well, I suppose uh, in in the last few years, I've I've gotten a lot more active with my activism. Um, I, I've I've always been kind of restrained a little bit. Um, I, I've always like from day one, going back to when I was seventeen, I've always been just it's very solid in my position that like, Hey, I've done no wrong here. That, that, that what happened to me was, uh, it was much more wrong than anything that i had done. Um, um, so I, I was always very strong in that position. So I was always chomping at the bit, uh, to, to get out and get involved in, in, in civil disobedience and, and just campaigning around the, this, this laws. Cause the way I see it is it's like, okay, if, if I get, if I get caught with this, um, if I get caught with this one, if I get caught with cannabis once, if I get a conviction for it once, why, why not? Why stop there? Why not have a hundred? If the justice system is so committed to be bringing me forward, it's, it's like how, how how much time are they willing to put forward to to get me uh, behind bars or, or what, what have you? Um, but I suppose through different groups that I met over the years, I, I initially I I first met with legalized Cannabis Ireland. Um, and there was a number of activists there. So, so they were a bit more calm and collected uh, at the time. And uh, they were a bit more organized and constructive, which was great. And um, we, we went out, we, we'd done different days, uh, like support unpunished campaign. We, we took part in that uh, every year. And um, we would have the uh, the Million Marijuana March, which was the first Saturday of May, which is uh, tomorrow, actually. Uh, no, sorry, the 7th, uh, that's, in, yeah, tomorrow for me, actually. So, uh, but that's the first Saturday of May, um, the, the 7th of May. Um, so so there was a number of campaigns that we would have done. So that, that, that kind of allowed me to direct my energies into things um, and to not go and throw myself in front of the cops and be kind of like, hey, come here, uh, making a big deal about it. I, I was always kind of, with those campaigns, I was always like, we need to give people... To be going in and just engaging in civil disobedience um and we did successfully do that then with the uh the picnic events that we started organizing in in recent years um so that the 420 there was uh, the clouds on the keys um that that would have been kind of our 420 event over here and that would have happened above in dublin um Dublin being the kind of second capital of Ireland I am in the real capital down here in Cork <laughs> um yeah I just have to get that in there as a car person <laughs> um but yeah we 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 led lots of campaigns lots of events over but what would always happen is we, we would lose momentum that the events would, would go off great uh, but we there were there was just too big a gap between the events the community was never formalizing. It was never uh, getting a real structure to it. Um, so that there was a lot of missed opportunities, I suppose. Uh, but we learned over the years, and uh, I think we, we've, um, I think we've learned anyway over the years. Um, as in the last two years now, we, we've more successfully held events uh, on a much more uh, regular basis. Uh, last year there, there was, um, I think we had over twenty events going on across Ireland, where there was. Uh, civil disobedience style events where people were encouraged to bring their own cannabis, that we were going to be openly consuming cannabis in public as an open defiance of the law under the watch of the authorities. And uh, it was a major success, to be fair. The, the authorities respected our right to protest. There was one instance uh, in, down here in Clarny, and it was an unfortunate one. The, one of the guys who showed up, he was known by the cops, and, uh, did the cops did decide to stop and search this guy. And he, I think he had brought an ounce with him and uh, he was hoping to share this with people there on the day. Um, but again, we're, we're there behind these people uh, supporting them. He's yet to go up uh, before the courts. As I said, that happened last uh, summer. Um, so we're going to be following that guy once he gets up in the courts and we will be protesting outside of the courts. And, um, I, I think again, as I said, that the community is getting to a point now where there's uh, there's a, an alliance, there's a much more, and again, that, that's one of the groups that has formed. It's the Cannabis Activist Alliance. Um, so, there's an alliance of people, and uh, I, I really think we're getting behind the model of one, one for all and all for one. Um, where, you know, if one of us goes down in the courts, that there's going to be a massive campaign there supporting any of those individuals within the alliance. Um, so, there, there's a number of growers in there, there's a number of patients as part of the alliance. Um, and there's a number of ongoing court cases. Now, one of the more prominent ones being John O'Regan. Um, he's a guy, uh, I believe he's in his 50s, um, gray hair guy, uh, uh, again, you know, maybe about 60, 70 kilos, like, you know, just just to put him in perspective, try to paint a picture, a guy like a non-threatening individual. He's up before the courts because he got caught with his own with his cannabis plants at home and his own cannabis and some uh, mushrooms as well. I believe he might've got caught with some psilocybin mushrooms too. Again, not nothing uh, of commercial quantities, his own personal use of, uh, of uh, cannabis and mushrooms. Um, and they're dragging him through the courts. They're harassing the poor man, but he's committed that if, uh, if he's to be arrested, he's going to be going on a hunger strike as soon as he goes in behind bars. And I'm committed that if he's to ever have the the, 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 the gavel slammed down on him and committed behind bars, I'll be camping outside of any prison that uh, he gets locked up inside of. And I hope there will be a community of people out there, too. We'll bring with us cannabis plants, cannabis, and there's going to be an encampment there of cannabis activists. And, and that's what I mean. That's what needs to happen. Um, that that's the, the only way I envision change happening. I don't believe in the government that we currently have. I don't believe that there's the will within us to, to bring about change. Um, I believe it's down to us, the people, to, to bring it about. And the only way we're going to get it about is just by taking a stand and uniting. Um, and that's how we're going to be doing it. Uh, Unfortunately for, for John, if he does go behind bars, he's going to hunger strike. But luckily for him, fortunately for him, there's going to be a massive uh, community of people out there supporting him on the outside, you know. Um, and uh, I'm extending that to anybody else out there as well, where, across the island of Ireland. You know, um, on my own platform, when I go live, uh, I, I, I always say it uh, when I cover. I, I do the four twenty news three times a week. I make sure I say it as part of that. Guys, if any of you are affected by this, you know, get in touch with me. Share your story. Share your experience. Speak out. Let's unite. Let's let's use your your story uh, as a camp as a, as a front for our campaign. Because that's what we need. We need real stories, real people, real individuals, and how the prohibition of cannabis is negatively affecting their lives. That their cannabis use, you know, just tell the, the truth. Is your cannabis use effectively a, a, a negative effect in your life, or is it a positive one? For me, it's been largely positive. I, the only negative has been the legal aspects of it. That's been it. Um, and I think that the more that we we can really kind of sing that 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 from the rooftops and and that the highlights, you know, the, the harms of the prohibition of cannabis, um, then the closer we will be coming to the to, to getting the change that's needed. Is man, I, I just got tagged in a number of articles here in Ireland, uh, recent uh, ones. Two and a half thousand indecent images of got caught recently, and uh, he he gets off, with, you know, and i slap on the wrist a suspended two-year suspended sentence. And that, that same, the same judge presiding over that case only handed down a 10 year sentence to an individual caught with 6 million euros worth of cannabis. It's like, all right, 6 million euros worth of cannabis sounds like a lot, but it's, it's not really, it's a hundred or so kilos, you know, in reality, you know, it's, it's, it's a good 420 weekend. For,
0: <laughs> yeah, for, for, for Americans, that's about 220 pounds of, uh, of cannabis.
1: Yeah, that there you go like it's, it's it's not a it's not a whole lot like how, how long in reality would would that really last like it's it's going to make more people happy than sad anyway that that's for sure um, oh, but but i agree with you
0: there. i think that uh, people that are are you know looking at underage children certainly should be spending a hell of a lot more time behind bars than someone growing cannabis or dealing cannabis that's just exactly
1: i i would always i, I was asking the question this the other day I was just like like, how many Im- child images do you have to have for a judge to look at you uh, or, or, or to kind of like punish you more than a person getting caught with cannabis plant, like, a cannabis plant, you know, because a single cannabis plant here in Ireland, you know, you, you can still get up to um, eight years in prison for for a single cannabis plant, the cultivation of cannabis um, it carries with it like a, a, an eight year prison sentence here in Ireland uh, if a judge wants to give you that.
0: I'm just going to ask you, what is the current lay of the land there as far as cannabis? Can you give us a quick rundown?
1: In, in what regard? Uh, in
0: terms of the law, what, what is the current law status of the law there? The, well,
1: it's illegal, I suppose, uh, just to get that one out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, if, if you get caught with cannabis um, there, the, there's supposed to be this de facto decriminalization that they talk about where if a cop catches you at the side of the road, now Now they have a power of discretion where they can give you a caution at the side of the road and let you go. They'll confiscate your cannabis and they let you go. Uh, That's supposed to happen. I've heard of it happening in in certain instances, um, but still they take your name and you still get a caution. So there's still a bit of a record there of it, but it's, it's not a conviction. Um, So there has been that slight little change there recently. Um, When it comes to the medical use of cannabis, then um, we have instances where people have gotten a license from our Minister for Health. You have to get a, a specialist, a consultant to apply to the Minister for Health and the Minister for Health can give you a special license then an exemption where you're allowed to have access to cannabis. That cannabis then primarily comes from bedrocan in Holland um, and it's imported into the country for, for quite some time. The patients actually had to leave Ireland and collect their prescriptions in person in Holland uh, and bring it back to Ireland. Um, most of the patients who have gotten access to cannabis through the ministerial license are kids um, with severe epilepsy. Um, it was only because of the pandemic that that uh, that traveling has ceased uh, since has ceased because of the pandemic, they were now able to facilitate the, the private delivery of the cannabis to the patients. And, and it's hilarious, actually. One of the, the parents of the, the kids who've got the license, I was talking to her and she was saying it, it's, it's crazy. Martin. she goes uh, that the van comes and it's got all of these cameras all over it. It's, it's a bit like it's a big high tech security van. Because it's delivering the medical cannabis, it's a specialized van just for that, that alone. Like, obviously, they, they probably had it for other reasons, you know, maybe high value goods and extra layer of security there. But she said, I've never seen a van like it before deliver something. Um, So it was it was a crazy experience for her in, in that one. But it was one that she was very thankful for, because uh, obviously with her, with her child, with her daughter. Um, being with the condition that she has, you know, with, with the pandemic and, and all of that, you know, her, her fucking anxiety was through the roof with tr- bringing anything, you know, uh, any viruses home with her. Um, so thank God that they're, they're facilitating that for now for him. Um, but I suppose yeah, to put it into perspective, then that the licenses, there is less, less than 30 patients, I believe, that currently have a license. Their, the government introduced what they call the Medical Cannabis Access Program, and that's been a, a joke. It's, it's called the Medical Cannabis Access Program, but nobody's gotten access to it, uh, as, as I believe still to date. No patients uh, have gotten a, I I think maybe there might be one patient who's gotten access to the Epidiolex. To that, that's the uh, the CBD product that comes from GW Pharmaceuticals. You know that were purchased yeah. there as part of that big was it like nine billion dollar sale or something like that by Jazz Pharmaceuticals. Um, but yeah, that, that's another news story I covered there in the past. related
0: um, by Ethan Russo, by the way. I know he's uh, trying to do the whole organic thing, but I still don't. You know, he worked for GW too long for me to really trust him.
1: Oh really? Yeah, I didn't read really, I didn't know Ethan Russo. I worked with uh, GW.
0: He was their head of their cannabis program.
1: At least at they had a good head uh, in <laughs> His name
0: is on a lot of those patents.
1: Oh or, or really? Yeah. Yeah, I would have I yeah, would have heard we'll, of uh, we'll yeah, I would have heard of him in the past, but I'd never known him to be involved now with GW. Um yeah, he
0: was the for a long time he was their head of state. For-
1: yeah, I, I would just get too too annoyed if I started looking into this stuff and because again, you know, I I don't know if your uh, honors degree in, in herbal science. And that went on between 2014 and 2018. And I, I was looking at this whole kind of cannabis thing, ex- going, just going off the charts, exploding. And I, I done uh, a, a history, uh, an, an ethnobotanical history of cannabis, you know, really going into the, to the history of it. And it's, it's a plant that's been around for with humans for millennia, as long as humans have been kind of cultivating plants cannabis plant has existed there because of its, its usefulness. It's, it's, it's a, an incredibly useful plant. Um, but, but what I, I, I discovered was the removal of the cannabis plant from the, the pharmacopoeias. And I was shocked at the find that it was removed from the American herbal pharmacopoeia and the British herbal pharmacopoeia, uh, back in 1942. Um, you know, I was just like, it's it's like the, the burning of the books, you know, the the, the burning of the, the fucking libraries in Alexandria. They were removing the evidence that was there, that, that was needed to, to to support the use of cannabis as a medicine. I was just I was shocked when I when I came across that uh, as part of that study. Um, so it only further if I can just get it, 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 it impassioned me uh, to, to do something about this because there, there's some injustices that have been served uh, around this plant um, over the years. But yeah, uh, look, looking at the, the people like GW then and stuff like that, that was going on while, while I was going uh, through, through college and I, I was just kind of getting really annoyed that these companies were out there um patenting the, these different compounds, these different uh, products from, from this plant. At the same time, we're being told there's no medicinal value to the plant. At the same time I was getting Never. stigmatized in my fucking college course for, for wanting to study this plant. Oh, annoyed me right. as well.
0: <laughs> and they have a they have a competitor to marinol called sativax as well which is their delta 9 product
1: that's right yeah yeah sativax yep. yeah yeah that, that's approved for you sir as well in ireland you know
0: yeah but gw pharma was the only com- company for like five or seven years or something that had a dea approval for import export to the united states as well so yeah they're, they're uh a pretty scummy company
1: yeah, that's it's, it's a boys, a big boys club. Like, you know, it's, just a, it's a club yep. for the boys. And,
0: and, and what it comes down to it. is this, right? Like, big pharma needs to be completely excluded from this market uh, and written out of the law completely. Why? The war on drugs. Veterans and POWs of the war on drugs absolutely are owed the right to this fucking market. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a religion belief, right? There's no, like thing in the world that should make it that way i I get that right but my personal belief is is that pharma companies need to get the fuck out synthetic cannabinoids need to be excluded from the market and banned for 25 years and all this other garbage like needs to just be outright illegal um and and the the, it it, and, and it has to do with reparations for the war on drugs let people compete put put a two acre a one or two acre cap on farms let everyone actually grow and create the jobs market in the United States that would allow this stuff to to come to fruition, and um, yeah, no, that, that that would create more jobs and a, and a better economy, and actually make things right for the you know completely insane war on drugs that we had. Will that happen? Probably not, but that's what should happen.
1: It it should happen, and and it's crazy to think you know over there in America as well. The 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 contrast of your environment at the moment. At one In one state, cannabis is legal. You can walk into a store and you can buy it. And in other states, you've got people serving life sentences because they, they got caught with, you know, a couple of 20 bags. It's like, what in the name of kind of world are we living in at all where, where people can see that the insanity to what it is that they're doing? Like, again, just again, my own experience, I'm, I'm a dad of three, three kids if, if I'm to be removed out of this equation because of my cannabis use, like the devastation that's going to do to those three little kids who each rely on me to be the dad, And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be don't toot my own horn, but like I'm I'm a pretty good dad. I'm there from, you know, I spent the, the afternoon there bringing my kids to their uh, her uh, drama uh, theater practice to camogie practice, football practice and things like that. You know, I, I do quite a bit like cannabis, you know, it's like, while I'm very passionate and I'm very active around it, it's, 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 it's not that significant. Like it, it's a very, it's a very important tool within my life. It's a very useful tool that I use, but it's just like, in, in terms of like uh, the, the amount of time I spend in, in, in my day of a cannabis, it's, it's, it's teeny, it's tiny. Like the amount of time it takes me to pack a bowl, consume my cannabis, that's it, it's done. It's like moving on now. Like, you know, it's just get on with my day, get the next stuff done. It's kind of like coffee. It's like it's another tool that you would use. You get up in the morning, you'd have your coffee. It's like uh, if, 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 if I got criminalized for, for my coffee use, I would probably be just as passionate about it. But it's like it doesn't mean the coffee is fucking everything in my life either. <laughs> it's like everything in my life is my kids. Like the kids are my most important thing in my life. And when I was in prison, like I, I had to spend five days in prison for, for my, uh, my, my crime, uh, around cannabis, uh, I refused to pay my fines. I refused to show up in court. Uh, I, the cops looking for me for three years. They eventually caught me, and uh, I spent five days in Cork prison, which is said to be the punishment prison of Ireland. At the time, you had to shit and piss in your cell at nighttime because uh, the, once they locked the doors at nighttime in the cell, you had not toilet in the cell, so they gave you a bucket instead. Um, there's prisoners now actually getting uh, reparations, I suppose, is that the word uh, for, for that, uh, they're, they're getting uh, paid out. Um, I, I didn't even bother to, to see how much I was entitled to for my five-day stay there, but there probably is a check out there with my name in it somewhere for, for my five-day stay for that. Um, but it, it was a horrible thing. But for me, the most traumatic part of it was being able to look out the cell at night, see the stairs, and be thinking, you know, m- my kids are only over the hill looking at that very same sky and i can't reach out and touch him and that that brought my my heart man i i fell underneath me did the bunk underneath me telling me to shut up he was uh, like stop crying like you know because i i was and i don't i know i have no shame in saying i was in hysterics i was wrong crying because you know i couldn't hold my kids that night and for what, like for for my for it's like, as I said, it, it's not that important a thing, but it's it's the principle of a fucking matter. Like, it's the principle. I've done nothing wrong. The treatment I'm getting because of this, like, there's this little bit of herb that I have here. Like, it's 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 just crazy, you know, that the suffering my kids had to go through as well, you know, five days without their dad. You know, my daughter at the time, she was of an age where uh, my, I think my partner didn't tell her where I was. Um, she just kind of said, "You know, I was away somewhere." I, but, but we didn't—she she only found out I was in prison uh, three years ago when when I ran for government there. I, I ran in the election, and as part of that, I told my story in the, uh, the the local paper. and My daughter read it, and I let her read it. and I knew what she was going to be reading in it, and that was my way of kind of telling her, "Look, yeah, I spent some time in prison." Because for me, when she was growing up, what's, what's prison for? It's for bad people. It's for that's where bad people go. Like, how am I going to, like, now look at my daughter and say, yeah, well, actually, like, you know, how are you explaining that to a six, seven-year-old at the time, you know, that, like, it's for bad people, but, yeah, they, they kind of send good people there, too, who kind of do things that are said to be bad or aren't really, you know, it's like you can't really explain that. Like, so I'd, I'd no choice myself but to, to light my child for a number of years and, and, you know, keep her in the dark about that part of me. And that, that's a hard thing to do as well, you know, that, that, that I suppose, you know, we... we Cannabis is banned because of the harms that can, can do to your mental health. But man, but like, what's keep a fucking secret from your kids doing to your mental health. You know, what's viewing yourself as being a bad person? You mean being ashamed of a certain part of your life doing to your own mental health? It's like, it's not fucking good anyway. Like, and that's all the prohibition of cannabis. That's not the cannabis. That's the prohibition of cannabis. Prohibition of cannabis is by far, far more uh, harmful for an individual's mental health than cannabis is ever going to be like, you know, you get caught, like that, that, that fucking is it bill Murray who says that, you know, the worst thing about cannabis is when you get uh, the most dangerous thing about cannabis is getting caught with it. It's fucking so true. Like it really is. I think that's why it's funny. It's funny. Cause it's true. Isn't it? is that what they say?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, And you actually use cannabis too, for your own medical health stuff. Do You want to tell everybody about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, certainly. Well, I suppose before I got diagnosed with epilepsy, I would definitely say that my own use of cannabis as a, as a younger individual was also med- medical. I suppose I, I would have possibly be within a population of young people here in Ireland who were unsuccessfully diagnosed with think something like ADHD, that, that attention deficit hyperactivity disorder because I, I was quite an impulsive young person i was quite an energetic uh, adventurous young person and i suppose i was a bit uh, mischievous as part of that as well growing up um but when i got introduced to the cannabis hash at the time with my cousins <clears throat> I, I think it just grounded me in a way that I, I was never able to do before um and i think you know my enjoyment of cannabis was more because of the, the therapeutic aspects of, uh, of the, the use of cannabis, uh, do you know, it, it wasn't that I enjoyed getting high. It was that I enjoyed actually being a, a healthy minded individual because without the cannabis, my mind wasn't in a very healthy condition, I suppose, as, as a young person, I, that just, the the fucking the circuitry up there that it was just uh, it was firing wildly I suppose um so cannabis yeah for me as a younger person uh there was definitely a level of uh, self medication there therapeutic use um so yeah I I, that that would that that's my own positive experience with with cannabis as as a younger person and uh, I I definitely would say my medical use of cannabis started back then I got diagnosed then with epilepsy. In November of uh, of 2021, and uh, since then, you know, I've been a bit more intensively trying to um, treat myself with, with the, the cannabis uh, to, to, to treat the seizures, but unfortunately, just because the the legal environment there, that that's not as easy to do. I, I can't get access to cannabis through the uh, the with, with the uh, the help of the prof- health professionals, unfortunately. Um, so that leaves me quite restricted. You're kind of working in the dark then really when you're working with cannabis, you might have it from at home or from other sources because we don't have the labs to be testing stuff here. Um, so as I say, once I got my diagnosis in November, I, I was doing some homemade extracts, making some cannabis pills. Um, I was taking those uh, like two, three times a day. Um, just to keep a level of cannabinoids uh, up in, in the body, just to try to, to, to mitigate any potential seizures. Um, and, and I was successfully doing that, but I think uh, recently then I, I just was burning the candle on both ends with my, my activism and all of that, uh, spending too many late nights, uh, just up writing uh, articles for the blogs, preparing stuff for the, the podcast, um, and driving up and down the road. Um, my most recent uh, fucking series of seizures there um, came after uh, I had just driven uh, back from Dublin. Um, so I was after spending, you know, an entire day uh, driving up to Dublin, campaigning above in Dublin and driving home again. You know, it was a nice 18, 20 hour day put in. And then the next day I just had uh, a, a, a serious number of seizures, uh, put me in hospital for about five or six days taught me about two or three days really to, to realize where I was and who I was again. Uh, it was that, that kind of, uh, serious, uh, seizure. I um, I pretty much almost forgotten who I was for, for a period of time. Um, but luckily as, you know, as you can see, I'm, I'm back now, <laughs> thankfully. And I, and I hope that that will continue. Um, I, I'm going to work with the consultants here. Unfortunately, uh, I, I can't get them to work with me with the cannabis, um, the way it works here with with epilepsy and cannabis, um, I have to try the drugs that they want to give me. So they've tried me on Tegretol and my body didn't agree with Tegretol. That kind of made me nauseous and stuff like that. I wasn't really uh, responding very well to it. And I still had seizures while I was using it as well. Um, they've now since switched me over to a drug called Keppra. Um, so they're now trying me on the Keppra. Um, and if that doesn't work then there's probably another drug that they'll want to try and then, and then I'm considered eligible for, uh, consideration for, uh, cannabis use. Um, if the fourth drug fails, I believe. Um, so there's still a bit of a road to go there before I can get access to cannabis legally here with, with the, the aid of the health professionals. And that's, that's what I want. I want to be working with the health professionals. Um, it's just unfortunate that this is the, the requirements, you know, to, to, to be working with a, a medicine that I'm happy to be working with. Like I, I've got nothing against, you know, pharmaceutical medications, but in terms of a preference, I've certainly got a preference there to, a, a, again, you know, prevention and to, to be working with, uh, with, with my health in a more holistic way, you know, uh, working through food, exercise, you know, uh, all of that, uh, a, a whole complement of things, Whereas I, I meet my health consultant and, and like the, the guy is just so quick just to give you a drug and get you out the door. He doesn't ask like, what's your lifestyle? Like he doesn't ask like, you know, how are you sleeping or any, any of this kind of stuff? There's no real in-depth analysis of who you are as an individual. You know, there's no personalization there of uh, of your your medical treatment within the system here in Ireland, unfortunately no, I don't know, people might think I'm, I'm fucking living in a fantasy land or something like that, that my expectations are a bit out there. Um, but I do think that we should have uh, a much more personalized uh, healthcare, uh, much more tailored healthcare uh, to, the, to suit the individual because not everybody leads the, the same lifestyle and, and not everybody wants to um, to treat their, their symptoms in the same way. Again, I, I'm, I'm much more on the, under the guise of prevention, um, rather than than treatment you know I'd, I'd rather prevent something occurring rather than if i can try to treat something when it occurs um so we be much more interested as to the water is and if it's exhaustion if it's stress I, I do believe my epilepsy has been triggered as well by stress it, and we i suppose we can go on to that i don't know if i'm waffling or if i'm going off in too many tangents or anything but my, my epilepsy no, no
0: no 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 please please tell us about it because i think there's a lot of people that are going through what you're going through and they haven't heard someone they can relate to especially on the cannabis patient side and then we also have a lot of people that are into cannabis but they haven't heard this side of the industry and why this is so important to fight for and why um you know people like yourself that are you know, kind of at the forefront of the activism in these different countries that really haven't gotten to the same place in the states are why it's so important to help support them any way we can
1: yeah yeah well my, my epilepsy i suppose i just want to get this one out there it started um, in 2014. Um, and I, I went undiagnosed up until uh, November of last year, 2021. Um, I, did, I was being wrongly diagnosed with uh, vasovagal, which is down to blood pressure. Um, my, my family has kind of got a history of heart issues. I was always uh, very healthy, uh, health conscious around my heart anyway, because of that. Um, But they were putting it down to that uh, vasovagal blood pressure for a number of years. So I was incorrectly diagnosed uh, up until last year. But in 2014, my epilepsy started after that five day stay in prison. My five day stay in prison ended with me getting what's known as a temporary release. So I was supposed to spend two months in prison uh, for my crime of being in possession of cannabis, uh, never more than 50 euros worth, never more than like two or three grams of cannabis. Um, but I was supposed to spend two months in prison for that. I spent five days in there. I got left out on temporary release. What that means is I have to go to the local Garda station, the local cop shop and have a, a they take out a book and I have to sign my name on that book every day, every single day, I had to sign that my name on that book in front of a guard. Um, and one, one day I completely forgot to to go up there. It was a really nice sunny summer's day. And I spent the day out with my kids and stuff like that. We had a great day. Um, and I completely, just completely slipped my mind. I forgot to go up to the, the guard station that night and I was lying in bed. It was about half 12, and then came to me, I was like, shit, fuck. I was like, I never sign on at the guard station. I was freaking out because I was like, shit, they're gonna be sending the guard's car up and out the like I just went to panic mode, like really, like it just set me off like mentally. Um, I, I rang the guard station, that they, they let me come up late that night to sign the book and stuff like that. The guard was cool about it, and that that was great and stuff, but Still the mental distress I went through before that, I, I thought like I was, that was it. It was a short thing. I'm going back to prison now and I'm going to have to spend two months behind in, in prison again. It's going to be shit, pissing and shitting in your cell and all of this shit, you know, in there were fucking rapists and, and all of these other kind of not, not nice people. I know there was other people in there uh, as well for, for cannabis and stuff, but majority of the people I met inside are not nice people, not, not people you'd really want to be associating with. Um, So I, I, I panicked. <clears throat> um, I went home after I signed the book, I went back to bed, and that night I had my my very first seizure. Um, I didn't know at the time it was a seizure, I went to the hospital the next day, um, because what happened that night was I was lying in bed with my partner, and I went stiff as a board, my, my arms went stretched out, kind of out across like that, almost as if I was up in a cross, crucified kind of position. <clears throat> My girlfriend, uh, my partner in bed next to me was like, kind of like, what the fuck are you up? Martin? Like, you know, I was just, like, cop on. Like, she didn't realize I was having a seizure either at the time. Um, it kind of lasted for maybe a couple of seconds, maybe t- 30 seconds or something like that. Um, but we didn't think too much, too much of it. I, I did go to the hospital the next day after college. <laughs> I went into college and I went to hospital because college was next to the hospital. Um, told them, you know, I think I might've had a seizure last night. And they were like, you think you had a seizure? Like you better come straight in here and we'll, we'll get you in. And luckily enough, they put me out onto the machine and scanned my brain and they couldn't find any seizure activity in my brain at the time. So again, as I said, I went undiagnosed for a number of years then until my, my partner actually got a video of me having a full blown seizure on the floor. um, And, and that's when I, I was able to get a diagnosis of epilepsy then, but all of my seizures coincided with um, increased pressure from the authorities here in, in my life. Um, I, I, all of my seizures, I, I can kind of coincide them with uh, a time when maybe the cops would have showed up with a summons, when you know I might have been stopped in search uh, because there, there was one time I was at work and um, I was delivering Chinese food uh, for a local Chinese uh, place there. And again, just just for no fault of my own, I got profiled again. Young fella fits description out in an area where, where you know, oh, there's known to be drug dealing going on or something like that. Um, apparently, actually, my Chinese where uh, I was delivering for the, the Chinese restaurant I was delivering for, uh, it was around the corner from a known heroin dealer, and where I was parking my car was like around the like pretty much outside of this heroin dealer's house, but they came and searched me. All I had in my fucking car was a joint on that night uh, that they, they valued it at 10 euros worth of cannabis. Um, but the, the, not long after that, um, it, two weeks later, I was driving down the road with my family going, going to a dog show. And there was a checkpoint, big checkpoint on the main road. And uh, I was just thinking, checking tax and insurance here. It's going to be grand. Everything's on my window. It should be cool. Goes up and the cops is like oh uh do you mind pulling into the side and i'm just kind of like is everything all right and she goes oh do you mind pulling in for the side we're, we're going to search your car for drugs uh came up here that you're, you you were caught with drugs two weeks ago and he goes hang on a second i goes i got caught with a joint two weeks ago i have my family in the car He goes we're going to a dog show I goes, you really want to do this to me here on a sunday easter sunday as well you know it was a family day easter sunday morning they, they took me and my entire family, my, my, my partner, my, my two daughters and uh, our two dogs. And they, they put us on the side of the road on a busy Sunday, Sunday uh, on a busy road, a big main road two two lanes of traffic and they searched us all because of that giant um, the, that that evening uh, I had a seizure again. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I was just my, my stress was just through the roof. Um, about a, a couple of weeks later, I had another seizure again. Um, was just all of the times that these cops have interfered with me, that the stress that brought on in my life, it's, it's caused me to have seizures. <laughs> uh, I just can't help but again, just stress, you know, is the, the, how harmful prohibition cannabis prohibition is for our health. <laughs> it's caused me seizures. <laughs> I can laugh about it now, but like, it's a real serious thing.
0: No, right, and it's absolutely right. Um, you're, you know, I've heard of other people too, kind of having a tremendous amount of stress, especially with PTSD, and then also dealing with stuff after that. On top of that, also having similar experiences to yourself, especially friends of mine that came back from, uh, you know, military in Iraq and Afghanistan, having very similar stories to yourself.
1: Yeah, it can't, can't be easy. You know, I, I thought it was, uh, it was great. We were out there for 4.20 just uh, two weeks ago now, um, and we were above in Dublin outside of where government meets, we above in the dial, and we had a number of guards above there, and uh, we were all consuming cannabis, protesting openly, engaging in civil disobedience. And I was doing a live video, I think, at the time, and uh, I commented, and I still you know, uh, remember the feeling, but how welcoming a feeling it was to actually feel protected by the authorities there that day for a change. Whereas norm, the norm is to feel threatened by them and that shouldn't be the case. And I said that to one of the, the guards that were there, there on the day goes, you know, I said it to him, I goes, it's so welcoming that I don't feel threatened by you right now and that you're respecting our right, the, the protest and you're not coming and violating my, my, my privacy. You're not invading my, my rights. you know, I'm taking my cannabis off of me. And uh, he goes, yeah, well, we're, we're, we're just here to keep you safe. And it was just, Fucking! I I was really moved by that. You know, I just wish that could have been the everyday approach. You know, from, from the authorities here is like act when there's a need for them to be acting, not not just to be following these fucking moralistic laws around cannabis. It's just silly. Like, I
0: had a similar experience. I remember the first 420 in Denver after they legalized cannabis, and what was it? 2013. I think because they legalized in November of 2012, so it would have been uh 420 of 2013 going there and. Have, watching a guy pull out like four pounds out of his backpack and and they'd searched his backpack and and it was in a clear bag so they could see there's nothing in it they were just looking for guns and knives that's all they gave a shit about anything else was perfectly fine and yeah. that was a whole like mind fucking kind an of experience because they're so used to being harassed all the time by authorities that you know having them be chill and, and just looking for the what you agree that should be looked for is a whole new experience
1: yeah, yeah, that's and that's the way it should be. You know, as as young people, we, we shouldn't want to put the, a barrier between them and the authorities. The authorities should be there to protect them. And if you've got a barrier for, uh, but, uh, for for communication between those two groups, then you've got a serious problem. And if one group feels threatened by the other, you know, if, if you're a young person, if you've got some cannabis on you, you you're going to feel threatened by the authorities there. You're not going to seek help from them, you know, sh- should you need their assistance. And, and how uh, how often out, out there has a person been in a situation, you know, you might be with your buddies and you might be consuming some cannabis and I don't know, you know, somebody might fucking do something to wrong. You and you're afraid to call the cops for assistance because, you know, the cops might actually take more uh, offense to the fact that you're consuming cannabis rather than, you know, somebody who attempted to burglarize you or something, you know, so you, you think of the situations, you know, the cops responding to burglary calls, finding some cannabis then in the house of the person being burglarized and then. The victim becomes the fucking <laughs> the perpetrator of a crime. It's, 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 it's sad like that. That is a situation. But that's happening here in, in Ireland. We see it in so many communities now where young people, uh, they, they've got this distrust of the guards. Um, there's certain communities there, you know. If, if a cop is uh, seen to be going into your place and, and talking to you, your house could get battered that evening because you might be seen as a rat in that community. It, 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 that's just such an unhealthy state for communities to be in. And it's all because of this illogical fucking war on drugs. It's, it, it's, it's a fantasy. It's, it's, a, it's never going to be achieved. We're never going to be able to control people's behaviors, you know, through prohibition. It's, it's, it's not work for fucking rape. Like, so why is it going to work for drugs? You know, like there, there's no, nobody wants to, to see um, an individual be harmed. Um, but, <laughs> you know, sorry, uh, you know, to bring in that, that one, what, that, that comparison with rape, you know, there's a prohibition on rape. It doesn't stop it from happening. But the thing is, nobody wants to be raped and, and you want to see the individuals. That, that's why there's a punishment there. Yeah, that, that was the point I wanted to make. That's why there's the punishment there is because nobody wants to be uh, a victim of that crime. But who's the victim of the, the crime of drug use? You know, you can see quite plainly in, in an instance of rape, of burglary, where the victim is. But when it comes to drug use, who's the victim is the drug user. You're punishing a person for being victimizing themselves. It's crazy. It's kind of like what we had here in Ireland. Actually, for a while, we, we had a law where it was illegal to, to kill yourself. It's like, what? It's like if somebody tries to kill themselves? And if they're unsuccessful in doing it, you're going to send them to prison. <laughs>
0: it like, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it makes no sense it, it, no no it, it's truly truly crazy and, and, and a lot of it comes down to them not wanting you to think a different way wanting you to stay in, and be a good little taxpayer and, and continue to fund the machine um, well, but you it. also see this on the other side because a lot of people don't talk about this um, in South Africa during the apartheid when they were trying to maintain power they pumped an ungodly amount of government produced drugs into the population there to drug the population to make them less organized and to kind of distract them from organizing against the government. And they were actually trading abalone um, for uh, chemical precursors to Chinese smugglers um, in order to fund the whole up. It's, you're like a truly insane drug story to read up on, read up on the the South African apartheid, uh, abalone and drug production, like whole fiasco it's completely insane yeah but they yeah, were I mean, making like play yeah. and all kinds of other things on an industrial scale for quite a long time yeah
1: I, I wouldn't be surprised at all you know governments have been probably doing this for for quite some time like that the whole war on drugs was used you know by governments as as the guys you know to go in and take control of places like uh, you've probably seen that, you know, all the operations that went down was it an operation uh, as a fucking falcon or, or uh, condor? Was that the one, Operation Condor, and stuff like that? The stuff that went on down down in uh, in South America, down in Mexico, and stuff they went it's in a, and specifically targeting political groups under the, the guise of the war on drugs. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah,
0: and then also, the I mean, you want to talk about the extreme end of the the, the United States banking on the wrong dude. I mean, look up Papa Doc in, uh, in Haiti. Literally, the the most hideous dictator in all of this hemisphere in the last five hundred years was directly funded by the United States government in Haiti. The yeah, guy killed a huge percentage of his own country.
1: It's crazy, man. How how, how often you you find the presence of. Uh... Of some of these like uh, yeah, the, the American governments, you know, uh, in, in these different countries, their involvement with these different groups, you know, that they, they were in bed with so many of these different ones because there was so much money there. within the the, the drug scene at the time, you know, you, you look at uh, I, I don't know if you've seen those TV shows the the narcos, you know, the Mexico and the, the Colombian ones like I think that those are really great shows because they, they show that the corruption that comes like from both sides. Like how even the agents, the, the agents that were fighting against the, how these guys like that, they, they were like causing like innocent lives to be lost, like, you know, bloodshed to be spilled on the streets because of some of the crap that they were doing just so that they can get their conviction, you know, just so that they can get their own fucking promotion and stuff. It's oh, it was such a it's, it's such an eye opener to be looking at these things and to be just kind of thinking and it's like, how is this even still going on? Yeah, another great show was uh, american boardwalk empire uh the, the alcohol prohibition one like again it's like how are we continuing on prohibition it's like it's, it's right there it's like that there's a prime example as to how prohibition fucks up your society and corrupts all levels of society right. <laughs> and we continue that, uh,
0: at least alcohol kills people right we has we <laughs> have never killed a single human being in the history of the world and the the handful of Of deaths that are allegedly attributed to cannabis, none of them were only consuming cannabis. All of them were also on prescription drugs. So the prescription drugs killed them, and that's you know, there's no other time. They've given psychotic levels of, of, and people have taken psychotic levels of edibles and never ever died. Like it's it's you, you have to consume. You actually would displace the oxygen in your bloodstream before yeah. you die of toxicity uh, from liver failure, kidney failure, or some other organ failure. So it, it's, it's not possible. So, so it just makes no sense why this would be illegal at all. Like it's, it, it's complete insanity why any compound that's safer than water in terms of consumptions per milligram, uh, it, it, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, no, it really is. And, and that's why, for me, I, I could never make sense of it. So I was just never able to accept it. And to to be able to accept the punishment, you know, I was always just kind of like, I don't know wrong and I'm not going to rest until the wrong that was done against me is going to be righted. And, you know, I I could see myself having to go back to prison quite soon. Um, I I know you you want to talk about this, but uh, throughout last year, I engaged in in another campaign of civil disobedience where I, I planted cannabis plants all across the city here in Cork, all across the country of Ireland and encouraged many others to do it. And, and this year, there, there's an ongoing campaign right now um, because our, our, our springtime is really kicking into gear now that the sun is out in full uh, full full action. Um, so anybody who's got stuff in the windowsill, I've uh, been encouraging them to, to start getting them hardied up now and get them outside. Um, but yeah, we, we, we've uh, a, a big campaign of uh, civil disobedience where we're encouraging people to be openly growing cannabis out there in public. Um, we're encouraging, we've got a number of companies that have uh, donated uh, in kind of industrial hemp seeds. So that these are going to be really good seeds to just kind of feed the birds with, is what we're encouraging people to do. <laughs> um, but again, hopefully the birds then might uh, help us in our mission and you know, pick them up and spread them even further to places that we might not reach. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that we're hoping then is that there is going to be, you know, just pop, popping up in public, uh, these cannabis plants and that there's going to be kind of, uh, it'll be the talk of the town, you know, and get people talking about the nonsensicalness of the, the guards having to come out, you know, and remove the plants, the, the time, the resources there. Like I I I don't know if if you're aware of the the Kinnah, who the Kinnins are here in Ireland. Uh, did you, is that name familiar to yourselves at all? No,
0: uh, no, please, no. please
1: uh, let us know what it is. Yeah, the Kinnins. Uh, basically, the American government uh, made them even more famous than what they already were because the Kinnins are an organized crime group here in Ireland. They're a, a crime family. Um and the American government, the the DA, I believe, uh, put a five million bounty on the heads of each of the members of the, the Kinnan cartel. Um, but they're an Irish uh, crime family. Um, that came to power because of the prohibition of drugs. They're, you know, that that's their bread and butter here in Ireland. Um, but yeah, the the. They're uh, sorry, no, I, I kind of lost the point I was going to make about the Kinnens. There, actually, <laughs> um, crap, on other, yeah, that one's gone.
0: The US government and
1: McKinnon, yeah, the, the US government made them famous. I, I knew where I was going with that, but I I, I just kind of lost where I, I wanted to bring that point. Um, but yeah, the, the US government <laughs> are, are putting out a, a massive bounty on them anyway, but uh, that. <laughs> They're, they're going to achieve nothing. Like the, the, these guys, your man, Daniel Kinahan, he's involved in the boxing world now at the moment. The bo- he, he set up his own boxing gym. You know, he's cleaning his money that way. He's got all sorts of assets all over the world. But but it's funny, like, you know, the, the these crime families, uh, they, they come to power. Uh, the government's go out and they, they try to bring them down. Like they, they, they've put a 5 million bounty on each of the heads. But in reality, you know, if, if you remove the Kinans, like there's just going to be another family come along there's just going to be another crime group come in and they're just going to replace them. And the problem is, is they're probably going to be more rootless than the guys that are going to be replacing because that's what's happened time and time again here in Ireland is anytime like when we had uh, we had kind of an influx of Eastern European gangs here in Ireland uh, kind of in the in the late 2000s and stuff like that, we've we seen bloodshed on the streets kind of go up through the roof because... the the crime gangs that were here for, for the period, you know, that they knew not, not to be creating too much trouble out there, I suppose, because that gets a response then from the authorities. But then when you kind of got these foreign gangs coming in, you know, that they're going to have to fight for their turf and they don't really have the same respect for the communities then. And, you know, they, they escalate the violence that in turn then means that the locals have to also respond in kind and escalate the violence, uh, Uh, And we we just see a really messy situation here now in Ireland where we've got a number of organized crime groups that are in control of the drugs market and they're pretty much untouchables. Uh, A lot of them are known and nothing happens to them, nothing happens to them at all. (laughs) Um, But sorry for losing my train of thought on that one. I don't know where I started on that one, but anyhow. You started off on the Feed the Birds campaign. We actually had somebody in chat ask about that. Yeah, we were talking about the feed the birds campaign, all right? And Kinnins came up throughout that. But yeah, um, go I go back to the feed the birds campaign. Um, that that um, I, I was recently in with the guards uh a month ago, um, they brought me in for a voluntary statement. <clears throat> they brought me in, put me into a cell, held me in a cell for about a half an hour, brought me into a room then and questioned me for about three hours, and then put me back in a cell for fifteen minutes and then let me go again. Get, got a free pants off them that evening actually because I didn't want to take the rope out of my pants, so they gave me a free pants. So I was like, "Yes, my free sweatpants." <laughs> Courtesy of the government. <laughs> Interrogated
0: by the government, all I got was these sweatpants. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, but yeah, they they brought me in for question anyway. So th- there's a file now being prepared for the uh, the director of public Pro- prosecutions. Um, And uh, I'm going to be up in court for for that. Uh, There's six charges of uh, cannabis cultivation there from last year. Um, I think there's over 32 cannabis plants uh, within those six charges. Um, And that that kind of took place in a number of different locations, including the city hall here in Cork, um, outside of our...
0: Allegedly. Allegedly,
1: Allegedly. no I'll, I'll probably admit but it. like uh, it's there on live on video like it was all done live on video <laughs> so it's just like that they're using my own it was kind of funny enough actually when i was in for questions because they, they opened up my, my uh my, my social media and stuff and they were like you know is this you and i was like well yeah that's me yes <laughs> and so they were playing my videos and uh in, in fairness to the cops actually that they were kind of saying like that uh they're saying, oh, you make some great points there in, in your videos. In fairness, Jerry yeah. it goes, we, we kind of feel bad having to do this. yeah." Um, But it's like they, the old cliche is like, well, we're just doing our job. <laughs> um, So, yeah, I'm going gonna, to gonna be up in court for that anyway. In the not too distant future, that will probably take them maybe a year or so to, to process it. Um, but already this year, you know, the campaign is in full swing. There's cannabis plants already going out there. I'm already getting images sent in to me from people. Um, with their seedlings and pots that are getting ready to be put out there across the country. So, uh, yeah, it should be an interesting one we get the people talking again.
0: Well, if you do get arrested and held, we'll make sure we help the uh, the Irish campaign of uh, overgrow the government over there as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and help help you support that up. Um, so what advice do you have people that want to kind of take up the activism on cannabis legalization in their country? I know there's a lot of people in countries that are listening to this show. I know we have about hundred thirty different countries on an average year that listen to the podcast. We've had an incredible response worldwide. And so what advice do you have for people that are trying to, you know, kind of lead the charge in their own country? You've had a uh, a lot of experience kind of helping lead the way in Ireland what advice do you have for them on how to how to get started
1: yeah well the, the number one thing I suppose really is like do not be held back by fear that that that's probably the most important thing is that that's that's the worst thing you can uh, allow to happen is for fear to overcome you and for, for you not to stand up for yourself for fear of you know whatever you know, being targeted or being singled out because you're speaking up don't, don't ever let that get in the way then the next most important thing is, is, is find your community. Know that you're not alone, that there, there is others out there who, who do feel the same way as you, and uh, they are as passionate as, uh, as you two. Um. So by speaking up, you know, and by not being afraid and speaking up, um, uh, you, you'll allow yourself to find your community. You'll allow others to find you. And uh, true, tr- you know, uh, uniting like that, then you're, you're stronger together. Um, so power in numbers. Um, and that, that's the way you, you, Through a grassroots effort, you you can build a small, tight-knit local community of people who are uh, committed and passionate about this issue, who will support one another. Um, And and through having these uh, small local groups, link them up, then with other uh, groups, you know that mightn't be as local. You know, they might be, you know, a couple of towns over. um, And and before you know it, you know, you've kind of got a nationalized network of uh, of smaller tight-knit communities that are all looking out for one another uh, under the same uh, kind of uh, banner, you know, that we are not criminals uh, and we will not allow ourselves to be treated like criminals. you know? And, and by uniting, you know, we're, we're going to make it much harder for that to happen. But, but un- until we unite, you know, it's, it's going to be so easy for the authorities to just kind of single us out and pick us out. You know, uh, I I think it's 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 funny in in the grow community that the thing is like to not tell anybody that you're growing and all of this, you know, and to just keep it quiet. And and there's a lot of sense to that. But at the same time, like you're really like putting yourself in a corner there in that one, because if you are ever get caught, you know, if that, you know, tell nobody wasn't to work, you know, if the electricity company, let's say was to kind of see, hey, there's a spike there in your electricity usage or whatever the case may be. You might just be unlucky. Your neighbor might smell your cannabis, you know, whatever the case may be. But you've you just put yourself in a corner now where you've got no community around you. If you get caught, you're, you're, on, your, you're on your own. And, and it's a bit late. And at that stage, you know, to be kind of going out there, it's, it's, I suppose it's never too late. But, you know, it would have been much more beneficial if you found your community before you got caught. It'd be much more beneficial if you kind of had that support and that structure there before you ever needed it you know, because you have to also extend that to others, because it might not be you who gets caught. It might be somebody else who gets caught, but they need you to be out there actively campaigning around them. And again, you know, you, you can't be fearful to, uh, of the authorities to do that, because in order to do that, you do have to be out there in the public sphere. Um, you don't have to use your face. You don't have to use your name or anything like that, but you do have to set up social media accounts. You do have to um, the organite stays out in the public environment. You know, you, you can't just only exist solely online. Um, that's a great place to start, but you do have to actually have physical meetups as well, um, in, in order to kind of cement and strengthen those relationships and that uh, that community. But yeah, this was that—that's the, the most important thing. Really, is just finding your community and uh, and building that community uh, and and sustaining strong together. United we stand, divided we fall, I think, you know.
0: <laughs> so um, why don't you tell us a little about your podcast and uh, some of the awesome content that you're putting out?
1: Of course, yeah, I suppose that, that, that what I just started saying there, all of that is a nice segue into this, is because that's what, why I started my podcast, is the strength in my community. Like I, I was being I, I've been an activist, a campaigner for for many years. And, and as I said, uh, over those years, uh, we, we kind of missed the opportunities where we, we kind of had people on board and, and we, we never really strengthened the community. Um, but through setting up the Martins world, that that allowed me to have uh, a much more public uh yeah, a, a much more public place, a, a gathering spot, I suppose, if you will, um, where, where the community can kind of gather and get information from, but also organize uh, around. So so that was the idea with the podcast uh, was to be our own media, um, because for so long over here in, in Ireland, we, we were doing some incredible campaigns. We were doing some great activism, um, but the media weren't picking up on it. Um, so me and a buddy were talking about it. Uh, this was supposed to be a two person show, but it ended up. <clears throat> being martin's world uh, because it was just easier just to go that way as the buddy wasn't really uh as available as i was at the time um but just share my own experience was the idea just welcome people into martin's world through just sharing martin's world with them just telling them you know how prohibition has affected my life how it's affected uh, the, the other people uh in my life as well you know that that was the idea behind the show and uh We just built upon that 420 News, became a part of the show then as well, where I was reading into the different cannabis news related stories from around the world. Um, 90% of the stories were negative, covering uh, articles from court cases and stuff like that. It was horrible enough old stuff, Um, but quite time to time you get some nice positive uh, gems in there as well. Um, but the 420 news then, that, that, that went on for quite some time. Then that was three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 420, uh, Irish time. <laughs> and, and we built a great community from that. I would have up to 60 people watching that stream live, uh, would stream for maybe an hour, some, sometimes three hours, <laughs> hitting the bong throughout it then, uh, engaging in civil disobedience uh, throughout the, the show. Um, that, that was another aspect of the Martins World uh, live streams with civil disobedience was always uh, a present feature of it. I would always proudly show my cannabis on air, be kind of like, yeah, I've got cannabis here. I'm openly breaking the law right now. <laughs> and I would hit the bong and stuff like that um, and, and encourage other people you know, to be you know, defiant like that as well by going out and talking to people about it more. And you know, being a bit more open about their own use about it. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, and there's been a great community grow around that. Uh, there's been people who engaged in the, the chat box there, which we call the hot box. Um, and uh, we we extended the hot box then because uh, there was just such a great crack uh, happening within the hot box. People were really enjoying the conversations. We set up a, a Telegram uh, 24-7 hot box. Um, and, uh, through that now we have got over 50 members inside of there. Um, and, uh, we've actually got members from, uh, New York, uh, as far as New York and stuff like that, which is really cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's really nice. It's a really nice community of people. Everybody says, good morning to each other, good night and stuff like that. And we, we all kind of just share little, uh, little bits of pieces of our day and stuff like that. It's, it's a really cool, cool community. Um and it's an, it's, it's a, yeah it's, it's a nice chat group that uh kind of came off the back of that um but as I said there's people who've met through that who might have been a, a county apart you know maybe a hundred kilometers or something between them um and you know they're they're now going meeting up with each other and uh, there's there's friendships being forged there that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the podcast so for me to see things like that happen is, it's just just like it's it's the cherry on top really like you know it was kind of uh, an accidental feature of the show uh, but I'm, I'm in awe of it as it happens <laughs> that's
0: awesome uh, um that you're having that kind of uh, success and building those types of communities i think that's one of my favorite things about this podcast is that we have a, a really wonderful community that we built up over the years and um, you know they kind of stick with us week after week, and uh, after all Excellent. these years, we're on our sixth year this year. So, oh, six
1: know. years, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. How long has you been doing your podcast?
1: Um, it's going to be the second anniversary this month, actually. Uh, I'm not okay. too sure what what date exactly it is, but it's in May anyway. Started.
0: <laughs> Congratulations, man! That's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, t- thanks. Yeah. I-, I should put more I should be getting more content out, but uh that sometimes the activism just kind of gets in the way of trying to organize interviews and, and stuff like that. But uh, I'm I'm sure people uh understand. <laughs> so
0: what are some of the interesting things that you've learned while while doing your podcast?
1: Um I, I suppose really uh I, I, I never seen myself as being a podcaster. Like I've I have no experience in in this at all, as I say, I've done herbal science before for this uh four years uh, honors degree there in herbal science. Before I'd done that, I was looking at a uh, GMP manufacturing of medical devices and things. Um, so I know experience in media production or like fucking radio hosting or anything like that. Um, so it was just something I, I kind of came into by accident. So I've, I've learned an awful lot, an awful lot. I've learned how to, to use streaming software <laughs> sometimes maybe not as good as what I, I should be able to have, but, uh, we learn as we go. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I've, I've learned a lot of skills, uh, video editing and stuff like that as well. It's been really cool. And, uh, I get my kids in as part of that then as well. I have some fun with the kids there uh, on the side, uh, doing some video editing projects and stuff because, uh, my, my, uh, my second, uh, my, yeah, my youngest daughter, um, she, she's kind of into into that creativity and stuff like that as well so uh it's been cool being able to share that with them as well and uh yeah i suppose another thing i learned is that it, you never get uh used to strangers saying hi to you on the street either <laughs> you're, you're like walking down the road and somebody will be like i'm Arthur, what's happening and he's kind of like i oh, am yeah. my, my kids will be with me like do you, do you know him dad and i was like no he's just probably a fan of the show <laughs> Like, like today we, we went to subway my, my, me and me my daughter after she finished her uh, drama theater class I brought her over to subway and as we were leaving subway this this woman and her daughter were going were walking in and she was this woman she just kind of looked me dead in the eye and she was just like hi Martin and I was just kind of like shit, should I know this person? And I was kind of like almost embarrassed because I didn't. <laughs> and she goes, oh, I, I follow you on Instagram and I watch your show. She goes, I love your content you put out. I love everything you say. You're amazing. It's brilliant. And uh, she goes, oh, and I'm uh, she said her name then, by, by the way. Uh, and I was just like, "All oh, right, yeah. I kind of knew her then because she had messaged me once or twice uh, true through, through Instagram. <laughs> Um, but, but it's really cool when you meet people like this and, and they introduce you to your kids as well, because th- this woman that I met today, like you, you, you would never look at this woman and be that's a cannabis consumer, you know, But because look, we, we do stereotype ourselves, you know, we, we kind of look for the person with the, 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 the beard <laughs> and, and the, the weed leaf t-shirts and, you know, the, the gear or whatever the case may be, we, we do tend to stereotype ourselves, but that's something I I've learned, uh, as well yeah yeah there you go <laughs> rocking the dreads love it <laughs> Um, but yeah that, that's something that I did learn is that um man we, we, we've we such a diverse community of ca- consumers out there that uh feck it like uh, we, we are guilty of stereotyping ourselves as well and, and I, my mind has been blown on countless occasions when I've had people come up to me and be like oh I love your show I love what you do great message keep it up and stuff and I just be like I would never have in a million years thought you would have been a person who would have been a supporter of cannabis legalization, you know, and and, and through that I suppose I learned of how guilty I am of stereotyping our community ourselves, and, and and yeah, I suppose that that's something to be aware of as well. I suppose ourselves out there in our community is again, you know, as by speaking out and by you know looking seeking for your community, you'd be very surprised who you find out there who's got an interest in cannabis too, you know, and it, it's it's crazy the. They, they missed opportunities that there is uh, because of prohibition, you know, in terms of like uh, social opportunities, people forge in friendships there uh, around cannabis. Two people might come together because they like cannabis, but actual true consuming cannabis, they find out they've got this other interest and look, they start a the fucking book club. And next before, you know, you know they've, they've got five or six other people there who are also interested in this book and they like cannabis too. It's like, great <laughs> but we're, we're, we're missing those opportunities now because you know we're, we're all hiding away consuming cannabis and you know in our in our living room alone and it, it, it's it's a, it's a missed opportunity you know we, we've we've so many pubs here in ireland you know there isn't a, a town or a village without a pub and pubs are great you go down to the pub you, you can sit down drink a pint if you'd like or you can have a cup of tea if you like you don't even have to consume alcohol watch you get down there you get to go down, you get to socialize with other people, you get to engage in a conversation about the, the day-to-day, whatever's going on within the village, within the, the nation, or what's going on on the TV, the sports, you know, just have a conversation. But as cannabis consumers, we're robbed of that opportunity. We can't go down to the local pub and sit down and have a cup of tea and, and roll up our, our cannabis joint or pack our cannabis vaporizer and engage in that friendly idle conversation with our neighbors. We're, we're, we're Ah, like, and the damage that that's doing to us like our, our, our mental health being robbed of this social opportunity ah it's so enraging when, when i think about it like but again you know to come back and make it all positive again martin's world has uh has really uh, afforded that opportunity for for these uh, gatherings uh, only two weeks ago as i said 420 we were out active there above in dublin um, because of the show, uh, I was afforded an opportunity to, to get together with uh, some friends, fans of the show. Um, but I definitely say more friends than fans of the show. Um, but there, there was six of us in the room, and all six of us were uh, growers of our own. Uh, all six of us were growers, and there, there was I think we had about fifteen different cannabis strains going around the room at the time, and it was amazing. It was great. Everybody was just sharing cannabis, and uh, we were all just consuming, it. and it was, it was just like. Everybody was just so happy in there, like that. They were so, like, uh, I don't know how you would say, like, um, when they were sharing their cannabis, you know, they were just so delighted to be able to to, to share with somebody. Oh, yeah, that's my cannabis because they're they're all hiding the fact that they grow cannabis, you know, like that they're not able to open up. You know, like, I've been in that situation myself where you go down and you're with a few friends and they don't know you're growing cannabis. And you all up on your own, you know, and you've grown it yourself, and they're like, oh, geez, man, that's unreal. That's, that's just little stuff, like, tastes unreal, like, you know, and you're like, and you can't tell them that you grew it yourself. You just can't. Yeah, you're like, it.
0: dude, yeah, the guy really hooks me up. He yeah. grows the best shit. <laughs> that's
1: it, like, you know. Uh, but but when, when you sure. see, when, when you're able to see that and, and the growers' faces, that uh, when they're able to, to share, you know, that that's mine, like, they're they're so proud of it. Like I do it with my own strawberries. I grow vegetables and stuff, hair, man. And like I love seeing a person's face when you eat one of my strawberries, and they're like, "Yes."
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you Europeans take that vegetable stuff super serious with their competition <laughs> stuff. But we had a. I actually had a similar experience. We actually recently, I I was back visiting family in Philadelphia, and organized. A, I have a friend of mine that owns a bar out there, so we we went and did a a, a kind of a. a all very last minute kind of, uh, Hey growers, if you want to come out of the shadows and, and hang out, we'll, we'll all have a seed swap and, 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 you know, have a good time. And it was really cool. We had, I don't know, maybe eight or 10 people show up and, uh, all of them were, you know, seasoned veteran growers. We had a good little seed swap for everybody and, uh, uh everyone brought their puffco's. In fact, I just broke down and bought one today cause I've been traveling all around the state a lot lately. And, uh, Oh, nice. I wanted to make sure I had some kind of mobile way to dab and I, I, I hate fucking dab pens so I want to be able to <laughs> smoke some good concentrate so I actually broke down a bottle today so and that's uh, anyways, something that's uh, really I'm
1: missing fine. over here is uh, concentrates like, we get some really nice quality flour and stuff but there's just there's no uh, concentrate scene because the price of flour is just so crazy that if you were to be putting it into concentrate you know it's just it's not affordable really like
0: what uh, uh speaking of which what are some and this was a question from chat what are some of the popular cultivars there in Ireland um,
1: <clears throat> stair dog is uh, is probably one that, that you might hear a lot about um, that that's a, a popular one with commercial growers uh, especially in the UK um, so it's kind of one that gets ripped on a lot you know and people kind of make fun of it for, oh Stardog dog again you know they kind of get annoyed about it Um. Yeah, and it depends then as well, you know, I, I, we, we had situations here in Cork, uh, it was a funny enough one, my buddy grew some blue cheese, and uh, he gave some to uh, a friend of ours, I think he gave him like an ounce or something like that, and, and that buddy might have sold four or five fifty bags up around the, the area anyway, and before long, like, everyone was selling blue cheese, it didn't matter what they had, they just were selling blue cheese now, because like, that blue cheese went around, and that blew a few fellows' minds, and uh, everybody, you know, had to be saying out oh, that they were selling blue cheese. Uh, I was just—it's so funny. So, like, I think we, we've—we—we we don't really have a, a proper market here. We, we just get a lot of people just like whatever's something trendy to go on. So, like at, at the moment, there, there's a big problem here with Cali. Uh, I don't know if you, if you hear much about that uh, over in the other side of the pond, but over here, um. Cali is a big problem because uh, the markup that go, goes on to it. And a lot of the time it's not even Californian grown cannabis. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be imported in from California, you know, Californian grown cannabis, and it's sold as a premium product. Um, it goes for as much as uh, three and a half grams can fetch like for 120, 150 euro, like you're, you're talking about 50 euro a gram kind of thing. like. <clears throat> That's crazy, I Was that's like say about seventy five dollars or something like that? Seventy dollars.
0: Yeah, like it's like Japan <laughs> prices right there. Yeah, yeah. eighty eighty US a gram.
1: Yeah, and uh, what what's uh, going on is there's a lot of this uh, the wish.com. So there's a lots of uh, the Mylar packaging coming in from wish.com. Uh, a lot of the the burners cookies was was a big one there for a while that was going around. Um, what, what was that that fucking uh, gar- Gary Johnson is that the guy? Uh, the 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 basketball player? You know that the, there was a strain name after a basketball player there for for a while. Oh yeah, yeah, still kind oh.
0: of popular.
1: Larry Payton is the that the name? Larry Payton. Yeah, yeah. yeah whatever the case, I mean, he, he, his one was going around there for a while as well. Um, and there was Play a couple really of them. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Like, but, but again, I was just coming in off of Wish.com. It was just repacked UK grown Star Dog, most likely. Um, there, there was a big problem then as well with there's uh, terpenes after being reintroduced that uh, the certain uh, packs. So you might get like a kilo of cannabis or might be some star dog and they might come along and just hit it with some fucking garthuscoe cookies, terpenes that they're able to buy commercially you now, you know, and a little drip of that stuff there will cook, uh, give a nice dose then to an entire kilo. Um, and it kind of makes the flavor profile. It makes it seem more than what it really is. Um, so there, there's a lot of that happening here as well in Ireland and um, people aren't really aware of that. I, I think that's, that's maybe the more kinder side of the market, getting hit with some of the terpenes, um, because we also have problems with the synthetics here then as well, you know? So like, it, it'd be great to be talking about strains and the flavor the months and stuff, but unfortunately we, we, we're not lucky enough here because of prohibition and, and people still be, would be buying, uh, vape carts and edibles. It's probably much more prevalent in, um, but it's, it's not unheard of for cannabis flowers as well, to be tainted with synthetic cannabinoids, you know, to add to the potency of the product to make it seem to be stronger than what it is. Um, and they can do it because, you know, you can get these synthetics, you know, cheapest chips. Like, you know, you, you can spray the stuff on to a couple of kilos again. Um, and it will probably only cost you a couple of euro probably for the synthetics that you spray sprayed on. That's how cheap the stuff is coming in from China. Um, but it's a big problem here. and. Uh, we're seeing cases where kids now are getting hospitalised because of uh, contaminated edibles and stuff like that as well. <clears throat> it's a big problem, and uh, it, it's a growing problem as well because the media then are using that as a, an opportunity, you know, to kind of fire shots at the efforts for cannabis legalisation. But in actual fact, you know, it's kind of it's much more an argument for legalisation because it's under the watch of prohibition. Kids get access to these products. It's under the watch of prohibition these products are getting contaminated with these much more dangerous substances but the policymakers here aren't engaging in these conversations at all with us um, they're they're doubling down on their efforts they're they're kind of saying that the current approach the prohibition of drugs is a health-led one um, that you know we're, we're leading the way with the, the national drug strategy being a health-led approach to drugs the decriminalization that, that I described earlier that they talk about where the guards have a discretion that's side of the road but it's never really actually used um, they're, they're kind of saying that this is a part of that approach um, but in actual fact it's 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 doing nothing the problem is going John the, the kinnens there that I talked about a while ago there, there's other, uh, other gangs here as well in Ireland that are present uh, and they're, they're, the cannabis industry is basically the backbone of the drugs market it's propping up the other industries, the, the cocaine market, the, the heroin market, you know, because like if, if you're going to be selling some cannabis, like you're most likely going to be involved in a, a bit of cocaine there somewhere along the line, especially uh, when, when you're talking, bringing in the volumes of uh, cannabis that's coming in. You know, uh, if you're involved in, in that part of it, uh, which the majority of the market here is that the homegrown cannabis market part of the the industry, it's making up maybe about 5% of the market here, I would imagine. I would imagine 95% of the cannabis here in Ireland is imported into Ireland, either from the UK or from further afield. you know, from maybe places like South America and stuff like that, Spain um, and, and other places. Um, but I would imagine the cannabis grown in Ireland makes up about less than 5% of the market here in Ireland. Um, so therefore, I, for, for me, I, I kind of see it as if you're engaged in that, then you're inadvertently then supporting these other kind of uh, these other markets, propping them up too. And I've nothing against that. Look, if you want to have a conversation about that, I think, you know, the treatment we receive as drug users, it's no different to the treatment a cocaine user receives or a heroin user receives. It's, it's unjustified. I, I don't agree with it. I don't think a person should be criminalized for their behavior, you know, I don't agree with criminalizing a person for the cocaine use or the heroin use. And I do believe the best way to, to, to tackle organized crime gangs, regulate the fucking market, take the money out of it. Like, let, let's talk about cannabis for a second. You know, if, if if we were to be all growing our own cannabis, like there, there's, it's going to be very hard for an organized crime group to profit off of that. You know like it, it's going to be very hard already you see it in, in America over in places like California where the bottom is falling out of the market the wholesale price of cannabis it's 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 not where they expected it to be it's it's going much lower and there's businesses there you know, to find they're finding it hard to keep a uh, keep keep afloat um so again you know, if a legit business is finding it hard to keep afloat you know within the industry once it's regulated what hope does an organized crime group ha- have if a legit business can't do it? Um, so again, the best way that if you want to remove these organized crime groups who do no good to our communities, you, you regulate the bloody market. You allow the people to control it. Um, I think there's, there's a way in which we could regulate the supply of cocaine to people who want to use cocaine as well as like heroin. If people want to be using heroin, I think we can regulate it and not educate people. And it could be done in a way in which it can be controlled and and not be associated with the current violence and bloodshed that it is controlled with, and the the, the harms associated with the use of these drugs will also I would imagine they would much much more likely to be going down than up anyway, and um, because a lot of the harms that we do see with these drugs, it's through um, uh, uneducated use of the drugs, abuse of the drugs, because the people who use them they're out of the, of the access to the services that would educate those people. Um, and quite often or not, the drugs that they're using are contaminated, much like the cannabis as well, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I kind of hope I didn't go too much off on a tangent there, but I, I do definitely think that no, no drug user should be criminalized for their drug use. And I do think every drug user should be provided safe, regulated access to their drug of choice, whatever that may be, whether it be fucking psilocybin mushrooms, whether it be cannabis, whether it be cocaine. Do you know, uh, have you have you heard of um, Dana Larson?
0: I don't imagine I you had... but, but I, would, no. I did want to touch on the fact that what you just mentioned is exactly what Spain and Portugal did, and they they have uh, safe use clinics and they legalized all drugs and they've had they're down to like eighteen percent of the drug abuse and yeah. people overdosing from when before they had that policy. So it's it was part of you know, our campaign really here in
1: in care. Ireland uh, into in
0: 2014,
1: sorry, <clears throat> <clears throat> sorry, there. Um, but in 2014, as part of our campaign uh, with the Students for Sensible Drug Policy, we actually brought uh, pr- Professor Joe Glow, um, he was the policymaker behind Portugal's decision to decriminalize uh, all drugs over there. And when we had him in Ireland, uh, and we we done a national tour, he actually done a tour with uh, with Mark Emery, uh, if you believe it. It was a, it was an incredible tour. Uh, we we brought him to to UCC, to NUIG, and to uh, Trinity College above in Dublin as well. Uh, so to all of the colleges in Ireland. And um, but when we had Joe Glow here, I asked him, you know, around his policies, decision to decriminalize all drugs, you know, if, if he would uh, what has he learned about it and what, what would he do differently? And he said, well, he he said that it was it was an experiment took on by Portugal um for the European uh, state, uh for the European community, he said, and he goes, It was a successful one. And he said that the, the next thing to be done now by the, the next European state who wants to, to do an experiment is to, to regulate the drug use because they said that that was a failing of the current Portuguese model is the drugs are not provided to the drug users, that the drug users are still reliant on the organized crime groups uh, to get their drugs, that their drug users are still being exposed to um, contaminated drug supplies. Um, there's still the need for services like um cosmic care um who are a harm reduction group over there in portugal working at festivals and stuff like that um but they they provide drug testing services for drug users um and the their work you know it wouldn't be as necessary if the drugs were regulated you know it wouldn't be necessary at all if the drugs were regulated because their work would be done as part of the provision of the drug the drug would be tested before it gets to the drug user much like any other substances tested, you know, like when you go to the local pub and you buy alcohol, you know, when they're pulling that point, if it says it's 6% alcohol, you be sure that 6% alcohol you're getting in there, you know, it's not going to be five and a half or it's not going to be seven and a half, you know, it's going to be pretty much 6%, you know, maybe within an acceptable margin of error, but it's certainly not going to be what those mentioned ones, you know, a couple of percent out. Um. That needs to be provided to all drug users. with the same protection and keeping the prohibition. It's, it's only the really benefit of the organized crime groups.
0: In, in the United States, um, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you're wanting that same type of service in the US, uh, and I believe they're also in Canada and I think Mexico now as well, um, there's a, a group called Dance Safe. And it sp- started because a bunch of moms and dads that had lost children because they That's had right. done things that weren't what they thought they were um one in a way that they know kids aren't going to listen to prohibition right we we know that's not going to happen so they provide a safe service where you can get free drug testing you can you can mail away for them if there's a big festival or event even an underground event you can actually have representatives come and and they'll set up a booth for free and and you know try to provide these services and and you just have to sign up for it we i used to host well allegedly i used to be quite involved in the rave scene out in the desert in cal southern california and we used to have uh, dance safe people there all the time as well because there was people there that were going to do what they're going to do, and we'd rather have them at least have the option of knowing what it is the fuck they're taking because that's the yeah. safest way. You know, responsible consumption and informed consumption is the way that everyone but, can have.
1: This is the uh, thing uh, that that remembers most. Most drug users want to be responsible drug users, but quite often or not, it's the environment doesn't allow for it to happen because you if, to be a responsible drug user, you need to, to know about the drug that you're taking. And to do that, you know, you have to be able to ask questions about that quite often or not, you know, for, for quite some time, people were even scared to, to be Googling, you know, uh, certain drugs, you know, to, about cannabis or something like that, to be learning about your dosage because, oh, geez, the authorities might look at my Google history or something and I'd be targeted, you know, and I'll get raided. <clears throat> you couldn't have a conversation with your doctor or anything like that, you know? Um, quite often, I, uh, because of resources like Errowid, uh, you, you definitely have heard of Erwid, I'd imagine. Like, that's where i do done all of my learning.
0: Absolutely. Yes. That's one of the best resources online for anyone that wants to uh, look. In fact, let me pull that up uh, and put that on the screen real quick, just because that it is. is yeah, no, it's, cool but this website.
1: is peer to peer education again, like, and this comes back to, again, responsible drug users. Drug users have been mistreated for so fucking long. But like we see resources like Arrowhead, which, again, it's it's a grassroots network of drug users who've seen the needs there for uh, access to information that enables responsible drug use, because people who want to explore these different substances want to be responsible while doing it, that they want to learn about dosages, the pharma- pharmacological effects and stuff like that, you know, um, and Without resources like arrowood, people were in the dark about it. You know, the, um, again, again, people like Alexander uh, and uh, Alexander and Sasha Shulgin, like Jesus, like the, the the contributions that they have made to the body of knowledge around these different substances. Uh, that it's just invaluable, you know. Um, and to think uh, without the, 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 these kind of uh, resources like arrowood. People would have been much more um, in, in harm's way, so it's great. You know it's, it's, again, it's, it's, a, it's a, a positive reflection of the drug using community out there that look uh, we, we are very responsible. We, we've formulated the, these resources that are provided you know um, access to information that has undoubtedly saved hundreds of thousands of lives over the years, I would imagine, because information is power. <laughs>
0: Speaking of which they have an incredible bookstore on on Irwood, where you can buy purchase books from them Uh right. help support the original authors. They also have uh, free copies of T Call and P Call. So if you're into synthesis and you're, um, you know, more of a nerd, um, you know, uh, they do have uh, free versions of both of those books, which are kind of like the Bibles on synthesis and one many other wonderful things, which we we probably can't really get into without getting. The YouTube <laughs> I, I actually the bought
1: app, those uh, books for uh, the, the college library in CIT when, when I was in college as part of uh, the, the work of Students for Sensible Drug Policy, which I, I led in college. And uh, the, the college rejected uh, Peekle and Tekel because of the instructions <laughs> within them to, to formulate the books. And I was just kind of like, that this is crazy that uh, you're going to restrict these books, even though they're out there anyway. But because of the potential use, that despite the fact that the, the information there, while yes, it does enable people to concoct potentially dangerous drugs, but it does, it enables them to do it in a safe way. It's like, sure, you want them to be able to do it safely if they're going to do it. Um, it was a mad one. I, I, I really wanted to engage more in a campaign around that, but uh, it happened at a time when I was just leaving college. Um, so I didn't get to really actively campaign to, to keep these books in the library there. Um, but we 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 did get him signed actually by uh, Sasha Shulgin. Uh, my buddy brought him over. Um, he, he got to go over and uh, have dinner with the show, uh, at Sasha Shulgin's for easter. They, they they have a, fa- a gathering around Easter time there. He was over there for an SSDP conference as well. I I could I was supposed to be on that trip and I couldn't go because of my conviction for cannabis. Would you get believe that? I couldn't go to Washington State where cannabis was decriminalized because I have a conviction for cannabis because uh, my visa was rejected.
0: What I wanted to mention real quickly is is that the reason why this website is, is so important is these are all user reports of dosages and experiences and preparations. So if you've never heard of something or you're ever considering consuming a substance that you may or may not have heard of, go here read about people's experiences and appropriate dosages and, and actually do it in an appropriate and responsible manner in whatever it is that you're going to choose to consume. Um, we're not going to get into specifics, but there is a, a high amount of, of knowledge on here that is all they also have lists listings of medical databases and all kinds of other things as well. Not just you know uh, secondhand accounts but also you know LD50s, which is the lethal dosages, addiction statuses. All kinds of other important law and policy and other things that really help you you know make the most informed choices with your own personal uh, decisions when it comes to chemical consumption <laughs> oh, man this is such a wonderful episode um uh do you want to tell anybody um uh, any other things that you wanted to mention as far as um activism or starting their own podcast uh, what are some of the other things that you've learned as far as podcasting along the over the years you know you've been doing this now for two years um how has your podcast kind of evolved as it's gone on i know this podcast has changed significantly since uh we first started off in terms of format and, and a couple of other things um what are some of the things that you've kind of learned uh, in your journey as a podcaster
1: um, that I, I probably take on too much work. That uh, my my expectations are probably a bit unrealistic of uh, of what I'm actually able to achieve. As I said, I, I was doing a, a live stream three times a week uh, with the Four Twenty News, and I was doing interviews then as well, kind of around that. And on top of that, then I was doing activism, and I, I'm a dad. that the three kids now. Um, my, my youngest is uh, six months old. <clears throat> so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm quite unrealistic. About my expectations of what I can achieve with my time, um. But still, despite uh, despite that, uh, I achieved a lot over over the time uh, over the last uh, two years. Um. But I'm I'm definitely going to take it a bit more uh, easier now. I suppose, especially with the increased seizure activity there recently, I'm not going to put as much pressure on myself. But at the same time, you know, I am as ever committed to, to my activism, to, to changing the laws as uh, I ever have been before. And uh, despite, you know, um, the, the ill effects that it's brought on my health, um, I, I am going to continue to, to campaign to, to the best of my ability. So as part of that, uh, I, I am going to be planting cannabis plants uh, publicly again very soon. Um, I have some seeds that are germinating now um, in a number of locations. Uh, I've, I've got some here and there um, but I also, have, uh, I've got a number of friends who have been very kind uh, to allow me some space there to, to put in a couple of seed trays to get some seeds germinating. Um, so we'll get some seedlings out there and we're, we're going to be very active with a camp in there in uh, Ireland. Uh, not, not just Cork, but right across the, the whole island of Ireland. Um, we're going to, really going to get, uh, get active on it uh, at this time around um so there's going to be a lot of that happening and there's going to be a lot more gatherings happening then as well so there's going to be a lot more public uh kind of uh gatherings of cannabis consumers um so publicly encouraging people to bring their own cannabis to a location and uh we'll, we'll kind of have a little uh picnic i suppose is kind of what we're saying uh, there for for that um yeah <laughs> a lot that's that's to come anyway well, that sounds awesome i know you're uh
0: you're quite the edibles uh, a person yourself. Do you want to talk maybe for a minute on uh, different edibles or, or different things that you're uh, <laughs> a fan of down the edible space? Uh, or, or if you don't want to talk about that, then that's fine too.
1: No, no, i, I I've uh, de- definitely no fan of the edibles. Uh, to, to be very honest, I have, I have to admit, uh, edibles for quite some time made made me very uneasy. I used to get uh, an, an anxiety before I uh, edit edibles because of uh, a past experience. Uh, My first time uh, I ever made uh, the the Rick Simpson oil, Um, and Rick Simpson is another fucking hero who was really inspirational uh, to to myself and and my own life, but through through looking at his work, I I learned uh, how to do that extraction that that he uh, recommended. And I, I, I used it, as he recommended as well, uh, the, the naphtha, that that solvent. Uh, I, I don't use that anymore. I, I go for isopropyl alcohol now uh, because that's the only alcohol I can really get my hands on here. Um, yeah, you, I, uh,
0: it's pretty rare in the States. You hear anyone using hexane or naphtha, but it, uh, it does work.
1: It it does, yeah. But it's it's probably not, not the, the most cleanest of solvents really to be using, especially when you're buying it as a paint thinner over here. And uh, it, we call it white spirits. <laughs> Um yeah. yeah, it's 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 not the greatest of stuff to be using, but yeah, uh, I I made some very potent cannabis oil uh at that time um with some bud and shake that I that I had left over from McGraw. Um and I made uh 12 cookies and me and my friend we ate all 12 cookies before we went to a yoga class one evening. And like I I think we we put about Twelve thousand milligrams of oil into the 12 cookies so there was about a thousand milligrams of the rick simpson oil in each cookie (laughs) the potency of the oil is anyone's guess you know anywhere from what 50 to 70 percent maybe higher potentially (laughs) um because it was all high thc stuff we were using at the time um but the, the class, oh, my God, I, I'll never forget it. that class. I, I, I could hear people laughing. and there was no one in the room laughing. I, I could hear them laugh. And I thought people were laughing at me because I was not keeping within the instruction of what was going on. I was gone completely dysfunctional. The, the yoga teacher knew before we went in that we were after eating the edibles. And we even offered her a cookie, and she, she graciously declined. <laughs> Look, she she was smart. <laughs> um, but anyway, the, the the intensity it was crazy. Uh, I I I I could hear people laughing, and I knew they weren't. My my body, uh, he 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 was bloody given an eye pillow, and she left him going to Silvasana for the entirety of the class. He didn't have to do any of the uh, the, the yoga poses. I was trying to do the yoga poses. I stayed in downward facing dog for the entire class. I'm pretty sure that I didn't move from it. Like I'm pretty sure I was just stuck in that position. Um, <laughs> my, my buddy ended up missing two days of work after that, uh, that yoga class. Anyway, um, He never woke up the next day. And then after he went back to sleep, he, he failed to wake up for work again the day after that. Uh, so th- th- there was a lasting effect from that. So anytime I, I, I had uh, edibles uh, after that, it brought on an anxiety because I was like, "Shit, am I gonna go in too deep again this time?" <laughs> so I, I, I learned a respect though from him. <laughs> Since then, we we've got the dosages down much better. I, I, I don't overdose people as often now anymore. <laughs> but it, it still tends; it, it can happen. People do. Uh, I, I do have a higher tolerance than most people. Um, so sometimes. When, problem. Yeah. So, <laughs> So when you make edibles to yourself and others tend to consume them, it's it it, it doesn't have uh, <laughs> a positive outcome for those people. I brought a brownies to a buddy's uh, my buddy's stag party and uh we, we were doing go-karting for, for the stag party and uh one of the lads and he he only lit like I have a little piece of hash here and like he, he must have had like a piece of brownie about that size. Small a small little nibble of the brownie. He was no more good. He he couldn't even do the go karting. He stayed over. He stayed across the road, and uh, <clears throat> and he was folded up on the couch at, at, back at the, the, the where we were having the party. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we put some noobs into the the funny conditions. All right, like.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and shout out to my my old friend Arno. I won't mention his last name for, uh, um, you know. Censorship reasons so that maintains <laughs> privacy. But his first name is Arno up in Canada. Uh, I forget which one of his birthdays it was, but we made um, uh, <laughs> cannabis infused jello shots. And nice. his girlfriend at the time um, had was dealing with some medical issues. So we had all these extra clean plastic syringes that were they'd wash out whatever the medication was or whatever it was in it. We, we saved them to use for the jello shots, you know, because they're like giant you know, jello shot appropriate, like a full you could fit like a full ounce of, you know, a, a full jello shot in them.
1: Was it actually I I I made a whole jello of shot like all
0: the, No, it is yeah. So we 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 basically took a, a couple days and, and I made a, a tincture out of a cannabis and um uh a, a bunch of high proof alcohol and then used that as the alcohol for the jello shots I and the green tell- ones were the cannabis ones. <laughs> Well, somebody didn't know that there was different ones, so they just mixed all the different color jello shots into a giant bowl. <laughs> and I was going to put them out in a separate bowl with a label saying, like, here, you know, choose your poison kind of thing. Yeah. And that was yeah. why they were different colors in the first place. <laughs> and uh, I I went to go on a beer run and to go pick up a couple last supplies and people started showing up and taking them. Well, we were playing uh, poker, uh, uh, you know, while we're waiting for people to show up. You know, in the beginning of a party, you're kind of looking for something to do to kill time. Waiting on food to finish. And, you know, you got food prepped and you're just waiting for it to cook and all that. And this kid is playing poker and he just goes (laughs) and flops straight down and slams his head (laughs) into the table and just turns off. It was like someone just took the (laughs) on-off switch and just hit hit the button. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's that's so because he had had two or three of them and didn't know and he had never had cannabis he'd never oh. even had edible or smoked weed before so <laughs> uh we, we had a
1: very similar experience at a poker table another night a buddy of mine not, not a very experienced cannabis consumer and uh he was har- after smoking a joint and uh there was a, some drink consumed but we were playing poker and next, all of a sudden, like, I, I I, know it was, I was, I was sorting the chips out to begin the game of poker. We weren't even playing poker. I was just after putting the chips out for everybody. And next, bang, his head came down on the table. And I was like, what the fuck? I just after sorting the chips, man, because <laughs> the chips just went everywhere, like, because he hit the table so hard. Like. <laughs> but uh, he, he went completely white, like, you know, like, when they say, he Pulling a whitey, like he went white. Yeah, yeah, blood
0: pressure crash.
1: Yeah, yeah. Blood blood pressure crash, exactly. Yeah, no. And he he returned to normal again afterwards. We all kind of laughed it off and everything. It was not nothing serious, but you know, the guy didn't die (laughs) Yeah, on on
0: that note, so I'm a pretty, you know, seasoned smoker. I mean, I I have hit this thing probably nine or twelve times, you know, uh, with the Puffco since we've been talking. So I I smoke a lot, right? Like and um on my birthday, um, back in March, I we were out partying with some friends, and I was out with Brendan Rust and some other people, and we were waiting for a table at a restaurant, a nicer restaurant that we were having dinner at for my birthday, and we decided to hit somebody's Puffco, and man, I took like five or six hits of that, and it just bombed my blood pressure out completely, and I got real <laughs> dizzy and real, like, zoned out. Um, I had to ask for a cup of soda and I had to like slam the soda to get my blood sugar back up, blood pressure back up. And I had to like, it took me you know, five or 10 minutes to like recover from it. And it, you know, I haven't never had that happen to me before, but I'm a hundred percent convinced that certain terpene profiles have that different chemical effect on people. And it was something where, you know, I made sure I wrote down what, what the name of that cultivar was so that I could try to research it later. But, I never had that experience, but I, now I started to understand what some people are starting to go through. I, see, uh, I wonder I, how earlier I wonder
1: how did. much the environment adds adds to the experience, though. You know, if you're out for your birthday, you're celebrating, you tend to hit it a little bit harder. Because I, I, I think yeah, I had yeah. something similar recently above above in Dublin, actually. Because uh, again, as I said, that there was the six different growers there at the in, in the room. We all our on different strains. There, everybody was like consuming there was so much edibles brought there and there, there became a point that the night where uh, I, I actually was kind of shit. I think I'm having a bit of a panic attack. now. I think I'm like, you know, I was like freaking out a little bit. I think, think we got a little bit too high. <laughs> um, but I think it was just because of the intensity of the situation and as well, you know, you're like everybody was just, you know, uh, just, just buzzing. <laughs> yeah. But I, you
0: know, I think people often kind of, overlook that especially with people that have allergies you know a lot of people know they're allergic to lemons and citrus and then they go smoke lemonine cannabis that has a lot of lemonine in it they have a negative reaction i've I've even seen people have full-on anaphylactic shock from high lemonine strains um i had a guy used to a customer i used to work with that was hyper allergic to lemonine and um you know it's something that people need to be aware of with cannabis because it does produce so many different terpenes that it is, it, you know, if you know you're allergic to a certain food group, avoid cannabis that is high in those terpenes that also have uh-huh. that if you're allergic uh-huh. to mangoes, maybe don't smoke high indicas because, you know, indicas are generally high myrcene strains, which is also a high terpene in mangoes, you know.
1: So. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, I tried to have this conversation with a lecturer of mine back in the, the time when I was doing the herbal science course. Um, as I said, I faced a bit of stigma when I was doing that course because uh, I insisted on wanting to do research on cannabis, doing projects uh, around cannabis. And uh, w- one of those was looking at uh, synergistic effects of, uh, of cannabinoids and, and terpenes. Looking at the the different pathways that are activated by by the terpenes, which ones are active, which ones are known to be active, and stuff like that. And uh, one of the research uh, one of the researchers, yeah, she she was uh, doing her PhD, I suppose, but she was our lecturer. Um, she she ridiculed me one time because uh, I I wanted to do another project on cannabis, and she said, "Oh, why 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 do you kind con- consistently want to want to do work on cannabis? Isn't there other plants out there?" And it's like you know. What other plant out there has got offered like so much variety of compounds within it? I was like, why wouldn't I want to research this and add to the body of knowledge that's out there at the moment? And uh, oh, she 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 just couldn't. She she was big into her uh, mullen verbascum. Uh, mullen, it's a uh, it's a it's, it's a nice alternative actually to be used uh, for, instead Great. of tobacco. Um, but that's another story.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, no, well, so we're a big proponent of mullen. Um, I know when I got COVID real bad. It, yeah. within a couple of hours of starting to smoke uh mullein pretty heavily again um it started i could breathe better yeah. and I, I i could actually kick a lot of the phlegm out and i could actually kind of regain a lot of the purpose uh, usage of my lungs and i've also noticed that too with um uh, when i get kind of chest colds and things like that you can smoke some mullen and it just clears your chest out really really well it's an antibiotic um it's really yeah. good and i've also had um a coworker when I used to work back at the aquaponics source, the guy in shipping, he was a, a devout evangelical, didn't drink, didn't smoke. Um, but we used to go mushroom hunting and and I taught him a bunch of herbalism. So he knew, I knew what I was talking about in terms of medicine. So I gave, he had a, a chronic bronchitis for the last eight or nine years. Every time the fall would come around, he'd get bad bronchitis. So I gave him a fresh, I bought, went out and bought him a nice glass pipe. And I, I gave him like an ounce of, of organic mullen that I had picked from, or man, I think it was probably more than that, but maybe a QP of uh, organic mullen that I had picked from my own, you know, wild foraging up in Colorado, up in nice. the mountains and, and dried it and cured it. And he smoked it. And after that, he no longer had any more chronic bronchitis. Um, you know, he, to this day, he still doesn't have any more bronchitis issues. And it's because he was never fully curing that infection and that, you know, getting that, that, Mullen, uh, uh, you know either for children use the uh, tincture you can buy it at most drug stores or, or herbal stores uh, sections of your supermarket rub it on their lip upper lip like you would vix vapor rub or some other you know yeah. uh, aromatic and just let them breathe it in it can help children that way and then for adults smoke it it'll, it'll work better uh, obviously you don't want to smoke with children obviously
1: yeah yeah for obvious reasons but but still with with the kids there is the uh the the option of vaporizing as well i i I know people don't want to be getting their kids to the smoke but at the same time there is a lot of benefits there too
0: yeah Mullen, treating pneumonia or other or respiratory issues is, is really good even at a vaporizer absolutely. yeah
1: So something like the, the volcano there is a really cool device especially as well if if you were to be working with, with, with a kid you, know, you could like sit, sit the child down and you don't even have them to have them to directly inhale it but the just release the vapor around them and let them breathe in the vapor you know in terms of aromatherapy. Like man the, the potential there is uh, it's huge but that that was a part of the conversation i was having with this lecturer but she she was much more interested and only wanted to talk about Mullen. It was like no there's no potentials there for cannabis cannabis is a dangerous drug and we, we can't talk about this and oh my god i just couldn't couldn't get over it that that's that's where we were at at that that stage and like even within the herbal science field and i it's probably because actually the 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 course itself cannabis like was always a bit of a a a dogma I suppose of the course like people like within the course always kind of if you say that I was doing horrible science you you would get the raised eyebrows oh horrible science yeah oh you must be one of those <laughs> like you know um but but it was always kind of uh implied you know um that oh if you're doing horrible science you must be into the cannabis like so, um, that there, there was a number of petitions actually throughout the years to have the course name changed to uh, applied uh, plant biosciences I think or something like that um but it was an on, unsuccessful on uh campaign <laughs> it remained herbal science uh, the name I, I preferred. it i, I like herbal science uh, because i called my i was able to refer to myself as a herbal scientist
0: <laughs> right and, and yeah. uh, you know if cannabis is a gateway drug it's certainly into herbal medicine i know oh, for a me 100% I've been the cannabis industry that i've then gone out to te- you know take out for in fact uh, just, just a couple of weeks ago, I took out Brandon Rust and Jordan River from Growcast um, uh, out on their first mushroom forage together. Or the three of us went out and I taught them how to find morels. So, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's a gateway drug to better health and, and herbal medicine. Absolutely. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I wish there wasn't such a body of water between us. I'd love to go mushroom foraging with you.
0: I can definitely turn you on. If you, anyone wants to learn more about mushroom hunting, um, I highly suggest uh, the couple of different resources, which actually I think would even work where you are. Um, there's a, uh, an app called iNaturalist. It's available on both um, Apple and Android and uh, Windows phone. I think if that's still a thing. Um, but it is on uh, and as well as the website as well. But um, if you're trying to find out different insects, mushrooms, plants, trees, um, whatever, that's the website. You can find local reports of those same types of plants and narrow down exactly what it is that you're looking at, that you're holding in your hand. Uh, and then also um, a mushroom observer is a website uh, that you can find online that is a, a really good resource as well, where people report different mushrooms from all around the world uh, and what they are in terms of ID. And they have lots of seasoned mycologists on there that help, uh, you know, double check them and things like that.
1: Yeah, you can never be too safe. And I've gone out foraging mushrooms. Like, I always know what the lookalikes <laughs> are. <All Yeah>. Always.
0: <laughs> but the nice thing about mushrooms is people often think they're, like, super toxic. Um, There's only one mushroom that's not toxic or super toxic to touch, and it's in Japan. And it's very rare. So unless you're in Japan, you you can pick up anything, even if it's super poisonous and not have to worry about it. Also, most of them, even the poisonous ones, you can taste. So you can take a bite of it chew it a little bit taste it on your tongue and spit it back out even if it's poisonous one even a death angel um Mm -hmm. is completely um non-toxic as long as you spit it all out yeah Um, so even when we test um things like um um mushrooms in colorado for example there's a sickener and and a a wine cap the sickener has a bit of a spicy taste to it but you spit it out and there's, there's no negative impact whereas with the uh uh, the wine caps they taste good and you keep them and it's fine so um you know they're they're not as dangerous as i think people make them out to be again as long as you don't swallow them that's the important part
1: mm-hmm. yeah when i actually finished the herbal science course uh, we, we finished by uh intern into competition it was called student inc and uh, I entered a business idea with a, a business partner uh, at the time who unfortunately uh, got sick and had to, to go and focus on his health, so the business didn't uh, kind of go forward together as a partnership. But um, it was the Super Fungi, uh, that was the name of our uh, company, um, but it was basically incorporating uh, extracts from mushrooms into different food items. So uh, our, uh, our kind of running our product was... Uh, Uh, cocoa blends, blending mushroom extracts with cocoa and maca. Uh, maca root uh, so uh, that the blend was basically to be used as kind of a, like a hot chocolate blend mix it with a little bit of uh, co- coconut uh, milk or something like that or even just normal milk or uh, dairy free alternatives if you wanted to jeez man i just thinking of all the pitches actually we had to make and it did be hitting on the trendy milks and stuff like that at the time i'm just normal dairy guy i was easy easily pleased <laughs> um but yeah that, that was our uh, thing i was uh it was uh the mushroom extracts was the, the primary focus it was getting people to incorporate these as uh they were kind of seen as the, the trendy thing but yeah it, there was a massive fungophobia we found like people had a fear of mushrooms like if you were to talk to people uh, about mushrooms you either got uh, one reaction was magic mushrooms or the other reaction was like aren't mushrooms dangerous you know just like kind of and, and the other reaction was just kind of like, oh, what, it was like what the, the white mushrooms like people just think mushrooms are the white mushrooms, you know, the things you eat for the breakfast mushrooms, you know, the the what, what's that, the, the agaricus species like people don't realize like there's so many species of mushrooms in terms of like the, the oysters, uh, pepinos, you know, just so, so many varieties out there um so that was something i learned uh, at the end of that that the, the fungophobia that there was a massive fungophobia out there there's like as, as much as a fare of cannabis there was out there it was like a much greater fare of mushrooms
0: <laughs> oh yeah there, i mean even in the united states there's only you know i think five or six that can actually kill you and you still have to eat a decent amount with the exception of the the death angel and one or two others those are, are pretty small consumption and you're having an issue but um, all the others, you have to consume a pretty large amount to really die from them. So, um, yeah. you know, it really is kind of a, a fear that it really isn't warranted to the level that it's often taught.
1: Yeah, well, there was something though. You obviously heard of Paul Stamets, and uh, I don't know if you heard of uh, his interview when I've he was on. With... Have you? Oh, you lucky, ducky? Yeah. Um, no, I've, re- I've only been lucky enough to read his books and uh, hear him in, in video format online and stuff. Uh, but I was listening to his podcast uh, that he done with Joe Rogan, and he said something, and it's always been on my mind. Like, but he talked about that agaricus species, a mushroom, and he said that uh, if he, if he was to eat it, he'd, he'd he'd make sure he'd cook it at a high temperature. Um, and he he talked about that quite specifically, but he said that he couldn't talk any more about it because he'd get in trouble. And why you get in trouble? Like, is that that's the most widely consumed mushroom across the world? Uh, the the agaricus species that that white one because it, it also makes the turns into the portobello mushroom, and it's also used as the, the chestnut mushroom as well. And um, but it's the one species, the agaricus species. But I talked about it when it's in that white kind of button mushroom format. Um, the cook it at a high high, high temperature. But he he uh, he said so. It was something he said in the way he said it. Like it all was just. It made me wonder, like, what, what does he know about this mushroom that he's not saying and why did he say cook it at a high temperature? I've always nuked them since I've started cooking them, and I actually enjoy them much more now, they're much more tastier when you really get a nice browning on them. Um, but yeah, he said that, like, but uh yeah, Paul Stamets is the man when it comes to mushrooms. So if he said that, like, but again, he's got all these kind of things with the uh the FDA and with the the, the, the Department of Defense and stuff like that. So I wonder. What, what, what is it that he knows yeah. and who he doesn't want to get in trouble with by saying something about those particular mushrooms <laughs>
0: right there's always stuff that they're not telling you for sure yeah
1: but it's like 95 percent of the mushrooms consumed consist of that species yeah. like and yeah. something like that and yeah. it? it's crazy
0: you know, the button kerminis absolutely
1: yeah yeah, uh, yeah. And,
0: and, and, you know it's always uh, i love hunting wild mushrooms because my favorite thing is watching people's expression on their face when they taste their first wild mushrooms, because they've never tasted mushrooms that had flavor before not flavor, but I'm talking like loud flavor. Like that has its own unique, well, each one has its own unique taste and flavor. That's very different than anything they've ever experienced before. And then they suddenly realize there's this whole other world of vegetables in this mushroom world that, that, you know, have a very, very unique, uh, uh, expressions of different flavor profiles. And, you know, chicken of the woods tastes different. The morels different. and chanterelles taste different than porcinis, you know, and, you know, so on and so forth. So oh, no, 100%, yeah.
1: I don't know a hundred percent. Yeah. I thought you were actually going to say that the look on people's faces when they see you picking the mushrooms. I, I've gotten some queer looks off people here in Ireland when I've been out uh, picking mushrooms in, in the forest, they picking some of the, 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 the local chanterelles now and stuff like that uh, not, not the psychedelic varieties. Uh, they don't really grow in the woods here. They grow more in the fields. <laughs> um, you also get funny looks when you're picking them too, but, uh, I've had some people coming over and they're kind of like, uh, that they, they would be very, very like curious as to kind of what you're doing as well. Um, but, but also kind of a bit, a bit shocked, like, oh, You're here. like, you're, why don't you just buy them from the shop? <laughs> uh, people were very, very out of touch. I, I think still, uh, where the food comes from, I think uh, convenience, uh, people's lifestyles. That's uh, just more of a curse than a blessing. Uh, at times, I think, you know
0: Oh yeah, I, but I, and that's something I think people need to go back to. Is look, if if society does ever break down, you need to know what plants are are good herbal medicine and good food and all the rest, because you might have to rely on those skills.
1: Yeah, I think we're seeing that even here now at the moment because of this whole Ukraine Russia crack that's going on. A lot of the, the European market here was reliant on, say, the, the wheat and some of the, the the animal feed products that would have come out of Ukraine um, that are not coming out of Ukraine now, and that's kind of putting an added pressure then on the, the different industries. You know, the the I, I keep chickens and stuff like that myself, and I did notice that there was a bit of an increase in the, the price of a bag of uh, chicken feed and stuff like that. Um, so there's, there's definitely... Um, Uh, people need to be a bit more aware of as to you know how reliant we are in other places and stuff like that and and maybe the importance of supporting more local uh, kind of food economies Uh, because again there there is no reason why we shouldn't be producing more mushroom species locally because again here in Ireland we've got a pretty active uh, wood industry a byproduct of the wood industry is sawdust and there's no reason why we shouldn't be collecting that and be using that uh, to be producing our own uh, mushrooms here locally. Um, a lot of the mushrooms that are uh, pr- produced there in Ireland, uh, any of the exotic ones are actually imported in from France. <laughs> there, there's uh, only one company actually in Ireland that are growing any exotic mushrooms. But yeah, uh, geez, we're kind of really going off topic there on the mushrooms now, aren't we? <laughs> I try not to leave it on silence i think we're live out there with other people anyway
0: <laughs> welcome back oh good I'm um, oh, yeah, yeah, good um Hi, yeah i um so i know it's getting quite late there um um is there anything else you want to mention i'll, I'll throw your website back up here so people can find you. Um, how can people listen to your show here uh, if they want to tune in?
1: Of course, yeah. Um, the show goes live uh, through Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. So you'll find me on, uh, on those platforms. Uh, I'll go live on those uh, for the 420 News. Um, over a number of seizures I've had there recently, uh, I've not been as active with those live streams, but I do intend to return uh, to them soon. Um, so, you'll find me on YouTube, Twitch, and uh, Facebook for those live streams. Also, over on uh, Instagram as well. I have an account over there, but uh, I don't uh, tend to be as active over there. Bloody thing, I hacked actually recently and he just got it back. <laughs> um, but do definitely give me a follow if you're on Instagram as well. Uh, you'll find me on Twitter as well. Um, and over on the website, which is up on the screen there as well, you see the 420 News blog. I tend to uh, rewrite some of the news articles here. Um, I, I, it's a shame. Uh, a shameful thing we do here in Ireland is the names of uh, names and addresses of individuals who get caught growing cannabis, get printed in the media. Um, so I go about rewriting some of those articles through the 420 News blog and uh, I remove the individuals' uh, names and addresses from the articles so that people have a more friendly, shareable article so that we're not... Um, Kind of further punishing people by you know uh, doxing their names and address, addresses out there for the crime of growing cannabis or being in possession of cannabis. Um, so that that's some of the the, the news blogs uh, that that get posted up in the four twenty news blog. Um, anywhere else then? Uh, no, I think that that's pretty much everywhere. Then yeah, um, oh, uh, anywhere you find podcasts as well, you know, um, like Spotify, uh, iTunes, and things like that. Um, there's uh, audio versions of the interviews I do. I don't release the 420 news uh, that I do live uh, as an audio version uh, because I tend to rely on video uh, a bit. Um, so I don't I don't release audio only versions of that. Um, so you'll only find my interviews in audio only versions there on anywhere you find your podcasts. But yeah, um, definitely uh, people should subscribe anyway, because I I do intend to be very active over the coming months. Um, So on any of those mentioned places, you will be seeing a lot more content being going up uh, very soon that will be highlighting the Feed the Birds campaign, the the Overgrow the Government campaign, the the civil disobedience campaigns that are uh, active and ongoing here in Ireland. Um, some of them I'm leading, uh, others uh, I'm a uh, part of uh, a group of uh, other activists. Um, so it's not just myself. Uh, I, we have the, the Cannabis Activist Alliance here in Ireland, which is another group that people should be aware of and uh, find uh, that they're, they're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch and stuff like that as well. Um, again, it's, it's a group of activists uh, who've come together, uh, that they formed that group. And uh, again, through that group, uh, again, I mentioned it earlier in the show, you know, we're forming an alliance, uh, uniting people and uh, allowing people to to have a platform in which they can kind of speak from um, and find support there from a community of people as well. You know, if they find themselves on the wrong side of the law there. Um, other groups as well in Ireland, uh, Crown is another group. It's kind of an an offshoot of uh, trees, you know, the trees subreddit. Um, I think it's kind of a big subreddit over there, but uh, an, an an Irish offshoot of that is Crown C R A I N N. That's another Irish group who are getting active over here as well, um, and they're 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 worth paying attention to as well. That they're, they're all, they have a nice uh, group going over on Reddit, um, and uh, yeah, they're, they're they're getting active as well, getting uh, out engaging with the public with uh, fact based campaigns. They're printing off leaflets and stuff like that. Um, so they're doing some good work as well. So there's many other groups out there as well, getting active here in Ireland, which is great to see. It's great to see more groups coming out there and uh, getting active. And, and I hope to see more groups as well co- come uh, on the scene very soon. I know myself, I do have got some other plans and uh, I, I suppose one of those actually is, uh, I, I hope that they go forward with a bit of a a kind of a, a, an a cannabis dispensary of some sort there very soon. Just start openly kind of selling cannabis uh, in defiance of the law. Um, we're going to come up with some way of doing it. All right, uh, we're going to do it maybe in some sort of a club model um, where we kind of unite growers and uh, consumers uh, together and um, where everybody's happy with the, the agreement that's there. And if the authorities are to get involved, everybody's going to be going down as part of it. You know, it's not just going to be the grower. It's going to be the grower along with the consumers there. Um, so it's going to be kind of a, a bit of a honeypot, I suppose, if you will, for the cops. If they come and stick their hands in, they're, they're going to get stung, you know, uh, and we're going to be ready for them. Um, so there's, there's uh, yeah, nice campaigns like that that we're working on. And look, let, let, let's hope that that they don't stick their hands into the honeypot. That, that's something that we don't want. Let's hope that uh, we, we get these... Uh, little collectives that were trying to form uh, up and running and uh, they don't get interfered with the authorities and they are successful in achieving what we want to do, which is get high quality, low cost cannabis to the consumers out there, lovers of cannabis, because uh, uh, the cost of cannabis shouldn't keep you from uh, being able to enjoy it. And uh, I think it's, it's because of the prohibition, the cost is just way out of control at the moment. Again, i, I've, I grow cannabis myself and uh, can produce cannabis for as little as 20 cent a gram, you know, there's no reason why you should be paying as high as 50 euro a gram for that. Like that, that markup there, that's prohibition. That's only prohibition. There's no reason for that markup, only other than prohibition. So that's what we hope to, to, to change. It's
0: wonderful that you're, again, you do a whole hell of a lot for the community there in Ireland, and they're certainly awesome to have you
1: yeah we're very ambitious anyway what we hope to achieve and uh again you know if if you don't dream it it's it's not going to become a reality um so yeah we're we're going to continue dreaming it and we're going to make it a reality very soon
0: (laughs) very cool all right thanks a lot and uh, um you want to tell everybody how to find you uh one last time
1: yeah yeah M- Martin's world anyway if uh, people go to martinsworld.ie um all the links are up there as well for the socials uh, so the twitch instagram twitter facebook um I, I think I even have a TikTok uh, my daughter set it up for me <laughs> she keeps telling me I should uh, you should do more TikToks that there's, there's, there's lots of kids will follow yeah <laughs> and and she's dead right dude uh, in fairness so what she was saying my daughter's actually only uh, she's going to be nine now in July Um, but but, like she's a big supporter of uh, of what I do and she she wants to come out and protest me and everything Uh, but but she gives me great pointers there and stuff and she's like yeah yeah, you should get get on and uh, she should be uh, you should educate kids about cannabis dad because uh, they they, they don't learn about it in school or all she'd be saying and and all of this and when they do learn about it they don't tell them the truth do they that (laughs) Um so yeah, it's a, it's it's funny hearing that from her. Uh, I, I was blown you know away one day. Do, you should
0: yeah. write the cards and she should read them and have kids teach kids.
1: That's there there you go, do. exactly. That's what Erwid, isn't it? Like there's the pair-to-pair thing, like you know, kids teaching kids exactly. as well. You know, exactly. yeah, that that's that's true. That's a good one, man. No, because she 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 blew me away one day when I was walking down the road. Um, she said it to me, uh, just kind of out of nowhere, you know, as kids do, we're just kind of con- conversing and she goes Dad, can i can i go through your next protest which i really want to help you get the laws changed because i don't want the guards to take you away and man it 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 almost brought me to tears i i don't like i don't really hide like my emotions from my kids but at the same time i don't want to be a big crybaby in front of my kids too like but man it, it was very hard that that that, uh, that evening for that not to bring a tear to to my eye when when she said that you know cuz i don't want that for my kid i don't want my kid that to like do you know, wanting to be like it, it's it's great, you know that She is doing that, but it's just like man, she shouldn't be thinking about that. Like she should be fucking thinking about, you know, I don't know, like rainbows and you know sunflowers and uh, all of those nice things. Like you know, in life, like not, not about her dad getting taken away by the guards because he uses a plant and it benefits him with his life. And you know, it's like ah, it's, it's it's so annoying that she's caught up in the middle of all of this. Like, do you know? It's it's really nice to know that she's got my back as well. Though. <laughs>
0: Especially you as a patient who's, who suffers from epilepsy uses it as medicine as well you know it's it's a whole other uh, you know boy no one should have yeah. the right to deny you from medicine that work you know and we never got to vote for these opioid dispensaries why why should they deny you from your medicine
1: yeah yeah that that that's so true like you know uh it's mad it's it's just uh dude, we could go on about this all day really like because like over here, we, we, we've got like fentanyl, like it's dispensed and they're, they're starting to hand out Oxycontinone and stuff like that to people at the moment there as well. And they they do it without even batting an eyelid. Like, but meanwhile, when it comes to the cannabis, like it's like, no, no, you have to try all of the other drugs before we even consider you uh, uh, cons- uh, eligible for use of cannabis.
0: And, and why should you yeah. have to suffer through all the toxicology of all those other compounds before you come to one that doesn't, that isn't toxic. Yeah. That's complete, and some of them have long-term side effects that aren't reversible, and that's that's criminal. I mean, they shouldn't course
1: that on you. And do, and do you know, before I go, actually, um, uh, and I feel bad for not bringing them up sooner. Is uh, that the patients for safe access is uh, a group I'm actually a director of uh, with, with other patients. Um, myself, Kenny Tynan, uh, Alicia Maher. Uh, Kenny Tynan had uh, a brain tumor. Um, and he's successfully been treating the brain tumor uh, w- with cannabis. And I believe he'd done uh, a couple of rounds of chemotherapy as well. Um, but that, I think he's uh, successfully treating that now and that the tumor has been reducing in size. And I don't think that, they can, that the latest is that they can't find his tumor now at the moment. He's a director of the Patients for Safe Access with me. And uh, also Alicia Maher, then, who I mentioned. Um, Alicia Maher is uh, a woman who is uh, in her 30s. She was doing a degree in law, um, but she had to stop that and uh, leave Ireland recently because uh, the lack of access to cannabis, it was just too much for her to take. Uh, She was illegally accessing cannabis hair um, through friends uh, to treat her issues uh, of chronic pain. They, they began because of complications that arose over straightforward enough removal of your tonsils. You know, you go in and get your tonsils removed. You think that's going to be straightforward enough I would thing to happen. She went in at 17, um, but complications arose. Uh, she got an infection Um, she had to go back in. She ended up contracting, I believe, MRSA um, while in there, which is like serious staphylococcus infection, like uh, that, that's like uh, medicine resistant. Um, that led to other medical complications anyway, which led to her, like, uh, uh having like pre cells start to arise and everything like jobs, oh, horrible story that, that, what she went through, she was living like, uh, a, 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 a non-existence really. Like she was medicated to the hilt and the medication wasn't even working for her. a friend recommended she tried cannabis. She tried it. The difference was day and night Her her, her quality of life. It, it was tremendously improved. Um, She was able to come off of the medications, reduce her reliance on the opiates, which weren't working anyway and were only reducing our quality of life. Um, She turned her life around with cannabis. um, And unfortunately, the access was just too poor here in Ireland and uh, led to her having to leave um, in the middle of doing her law degree as well in the University of Limerick. Uh, She left uh, Ireland and moved to Spain. She's a director of uh, the Patients for Safe Access with myself as well. We're going to be doing um, a conference on the 11th of June here in Ireland, above in Dublin, in the, the sugar Sugarloaf or something like that. The Sugar Lounge, I think it's called. <clears throat> it's, it, it's a venue above in Dublin. Anyway, I think it's called the Sugar Lounge. Um, I, should, I should know that, really. <laughs> um, but that's going to be on the 11th of June. I think there's a 10 euro fee associated with the tickets there as well, just to cover the cost of the venue and getting speakers there and stuff like that. But again, it's it's going to be a day of action around patients. It's going to be um, getting information out there, sharing patient stories, also getting in industry experts, getting in policymakers as well, bringing them to the table for the discussion. Um, so hopefully it should be a great day, a great conference, and hopefully it'll uh, lead to some positive change there if the, the policymakers actually show up and engage with us, which is the hope the invitations have been sent out anyway. But the patients for safe access—it's a group that uh, we set up as patients, uh, set up by patients for patients. Um, we're a believer in uh, the kind of the grow your own as uh, a, as a model. Uh, patient like cooperatives as well, where patients work with other patient growers, um, where patients are kind of more in control of their their, their medicine there, um, because currently you know that the, the the way in which it's been done, it's been led where it's kind of you know, GW pharmaceuticals, Sativex, Marinol is kind of the, the preferred approach here. Um, but that's not suitable because again, you know, we have patients like Alicia Maher who are already accessing cannabis illegally, true growers, true friends, and are successfully treating their conditions. Um, so we would be in support of uh, continuing and supporting models like that, that gets uh, high quality, low cost cannabis to patients as well. Um, so that's another group I just had to get in a mention for them as well, and the upcoming conference there on the 11th of June.
0: Well, thanks for mentioning a bunch of ways people can help support the movement as well. Uh, that was going to be one of my last questions for you. So.
1: Yeah, well, a- Americans for Safe Access, I believe, is uh, a group. Uh, w- we're working with uh, Foxworthy Farms. Uh, Martin o'brien uh he, he's the uh he's a Cork man uh he he, he went over there uh, leading the way in the rave scene uh back in the, the 70s and the 80s i believe um and then he found his way down to the to, i believe he's down in the sonoma valley now in, in california and that's where he's growing his cannabis now um but uh yeah he, he was uh leading the way down there with the uh berkeley patients care collective i think was the one of the the first collectives down there after the the prop 215 or whatever it was uh passed um so we're working with martin o'brien he's another director of the patients for safe access as well um so he's leading uh le- are leaning over uh and given uh, his expertise uh, and helping us uh, as well uh, as well as others from the americans for safe access too so it's a uh, it's great there's great um assistance there across the pond coming over already helping us here so uh any more to comes it's it's, it's going to be greatly appreciated too
0: <laughs> that's awesome uh i didn't realize they were doing that really wonderful
1: yeah i, I don't know did you see uh, an event i don't um i, I was uh, remembering one, one of the great activists of uh uh gone um mary jane Rapun, um otherwise known as brownie mary uh, she, she would have been, uh, an activist back in the, the scene in, um, geez, where's a uh, San San Francisco, I believe it was. Uh, I think in, in that scene, she, she was providing cannabis to the gay community then, uh, at the time, because there was a bit of an, an epidemic, uh, of AIDS within that community. And obviously cannabis was uh, very beneficial for the AIDS patients. Um, but she, she, uh, openly provided cannabis to the patients and uh, herself dan perron and uh, a couple of others uh, that, that yeah, they were dennis.
0: i was very doing, actually i knew dennis perron the last two years of his life actually i'm still good friends with wayne Justman. So.
1: ah yep. yeah ah, I, i'd love to speak to some of these people you know who are involved in that so if if uh, if any of them are out there watching this I can, and uh, yeah send them my way i can way definitely
0: get you i can definitely get you in touch with wayne Loves to do interviews he's a great guy
1: yeah. So, so as part of I remember Mary Jane rap one. What, what I done last year uh, on her birthday, uh, I, I went into the city here in Cork and actually gave out a lot of free uh, brownies to people. Um, I, I, I implied that there were cannabis brownies, but in actual fact uh, that they were just plain brownies. Um, but I did have a friend nearby who did actually bring some cannabis brownies with him. And uh, anybody who asked specifically and who, who looked of age, I kind of directed them to that guy. Um, but it was kind of, again, another little honeypot operation. We were going to sting the cops, hopefully to come down and maybe take the thing. And, uh, you know, there was going to be no cannabis within the brownies and stuff. Um, but there was a, a lot of uh, underage people who came and they, they took brownies there again on the day. And it allowed us an opportunity to talk about, you know, we, we always kind of t- Get told as kids don't take candy from strangers and stuff, but again, because of drug prohibition, you know, if if a kid wants to engage in consuming some cannabis edibles, well, they've got no choice but to take kind of sweets from a stranger in 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 most instances because you know you're not going to be cooking up some edibles at home yourself if you're a teenager, like because you know it's it's not really something that you can easily do and conceal because of the obvious reasons, the smell and stuff like that, and. Obviously, you know, doing a slow cook. You know, imagine being a teenager and trying to do a three hour slow cook with some butter and bud. Like <laughs> when I was a teenager, I was lucky enough to be able to make some Nutella and toast. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so there, there, there's just like, uh, there was always these opportunities there through these different campaigns. You know, so while I was remembering a great activist, I was also using it as an opportunity to make some points as well, you know, while remembering these great activists. And um, I, I love looking at people's work like that as well, because I take some great inspiration to, to the work that these people done in the past, you know, and to the w- w- change that it uh, led to, you know, w- without these bold actions, we wouldn't have seen a change, you know, without the Rosa Parks sitting down and refusing to give up our seat, where where would the world be, you know? But without the fucking uh, Mah- Mah- Gandhi and the, the, the peaceful uh, civil disobedience protest that they, they led over in, uh, in India at that time, you know, where would that country be? You know, <laughs> there, there, there's so many instances we, we could point to when, when there there is uh, wrongs befalling large populations of people. And it, was, it just took the actions of, of one or two people just to kind of say enough is enough and to stand up and, you know, through their actions, then movements rebellions you know, uh that they rose up and i uh, you know i I, <laughs> I think that ireland is uh not not far off at that point now i i think you know I, 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 if they if they come after me i think they're going to martyrise me at some point and i think that might be a mistake that that, that they'll make <laughs> i think anyway we'll see <laughs>
0: Oh, you're right. Uh, I was trying to pull up a picture here. Uh, uh, we'll see if it loads or not. Uh, if not, then
1: that's okay too. Uh, uh, well, I suppose like you know, I've I've made it very difficult as well for the at here now because my, my show I suppose it's it's gotten quite a decent following. I've over two thousand subscribers now on on YouTube. Uh, on Facebook, I've got like up to six thousand followers. Uh, Instagram another two thousand over there. Um, and I've gotten national coverage on my campaigns there last year um, on a number of occasions. Um, so I'm quite a known person over here now, um, infamous, I suppose, maybe, if you will. <laughs> um, so if, if I am to be brought to court for, say, the, the acts of cultivation, the public uh, civil disobedience, uh, they're, they're going to be quite public trials and they are going to gather a lot of attention because I'm going to be publicly, uh, publicizing them through my own platforms. Um, but I do hope that the media will continue to, to pick up on them as well. Oh, I you? think about... that was <laughs> that's, the you
0: know, last <laughs> Thanksgiving, was with us. Yeah. Good group of people. Awesome group of people, actually.
1: Um, oh, and there's so many people, uh, I sadly I, I said didn't get to meet, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, you know. Oh, you're you're muted,
0: Doc. No, thank you so much for coming on, man. I uh, definitely uh, I'm glad to have you on, and um, um I'm certainly uh, uh, you know, I, I've wanted to have you on for quite a while to help you know kind of promote you and get your word out on what the awesome work that you're doing. And I'm, I'm super glad that we finally to, uh, were able to get you on. Yeah, well, uh, I hope people
1: enjoy the conversation and, uh, yeah, if people want to follow up and, and any questions or anything like that in the future, I'd gladly come back on and uh, have another conversation with you because uh, I've really enjoyed it. I really enjoy talking to people about, about cannabis and uh, about my own experiences and stuff like that, about activism, because uh, I really do hope that, you know, that there's a little nugget that's going to get into somebody. You know, there's going to be a little seed that's going to be planted and that's going to blossom into something great out there, you know, that, that, that one of these little community groups that I talked about earlier, you know, that, that one of those might form and that might grow into something great, you know. So uh, it, it just, just it makes me happy knowing that, you know, you're allowing me that opportunity. So thanks. you, Thanks.
0: <laughs> one question actually, you kind of reminded me of something we talked about before we went live, if you want to talk about it for a second someone asked you, um, if you knew much about aquaponics. And I thought that was kind of funny because we kind of talked about that beforehand and we actually haven't <laughs> talked about it yet in the whole interview and it's <laughs> kind of funny. Um, do you want to touch about that uh, for a minute? Because that was actually kind of really intriguing to me and, and you and and the more people I talk to, the more people I know. Chris Trump started with aquaponics. Uh, Josh from Dutch Bloom started with aquaponics. Um, yeah, so tell us a bit about your, your journey and, and your experience with aquaponics.
1: Yeah, I, I love the, the concept of aquaponics and uh, I thought it was really cool. And uh, I, I don't have any uh, for a hands-on experience with it. Uh, all of my experience with it is just from reading it in books. Um, but yeah, I, I think incorporating aquaponics into the, the living soil, uh, it's, it's it's a really cool uh, system. Um, and again, when it comes what we talked about earlier as well about uh, localizing our, our food networks, um, great opportunity there because like you, you were mentioning there that you, you were feeding your your fish like say che- uh, the, the cheese and stuff like that you know these can be byproducts of other industries there and they're going in and they're adding value then to, to your fish because i'd show i'd be sure that the nutrient value is going to be going up uh, with these kind of feeds that are going in there so again you know that that's going to be offering uh, maybe a cheap cheaper food source there one that, again, it moves to uh, when aquaponics is done in, in a proper way. Rem- a big problem I have with uh, fish farming is when it's done in the rivers, when it's done in the open sea, because there's problems there. I love aquaponics because it actually does fish farming in a way in which it doesn't actually devastate the, the local uh, fish economy because uh, it's, it's not actively in there invading their space. Um, so that's another great thing about it um i i really love that it. it's it's, uh, it's something i'd love to to be able to to be more involved with here i wish you know i i've a lovely polytunnel out the back garden i've got a duck and a couple of chickens out there at the moment um so and i'm i'm actively composting and stuff like that but i i really would love to to have a, a nice little fish pond out there and to be recirculating that in and, uh, to be adding to the, to the quality of, as I say, I have strawberries out there. I've got, uh, all sorts of herbs and, and, and uh, I'm going to be getting my chilies out there now very soon. Actually. Yes. As I said, it's uh, spring season now. So we're going to have uh chilies. I love growing chilies. I'm a spicy man. <laughs> um, so we're going to be getting those, but I, I'd love to have the fish out there. But, but apparently, um, as we were talking beforehand, uh, the, uh, it, it seemed to be, um, harmful practice to the fish <laughs> or something <laughs> like that it was it was a funny one yeah uh, we were talking about it earlier uh the the, the environmental uh the, the the uh the animal husbandry guys here uh they, they have a problem with using aquaponics uh for producing fish um because it's uh it's, it's not seen to be um ethical towards the uh handling of the fish or something like that like you know we're gonna no, be killing them and eating them <laughs>
0: They're happy to use traps and all kinds of bycatch and saltwater, but you know how dare you grow some aquaculture fish in a closed loop contained system with no disease and, you know actually sustainable using uh you know sustainable fish feed you know how dare you <laughs> yeah yeah
1: no so I, I really do look forward to the day that uh cannabis is uh fully legal here and we're, we're no longer having to, to hide and uh I can add a couple of cannabis plants then, a couple of more cannabis plants to my polytunnel. Because <laughs> um, I'm not, not going to really lie. Like, I, I've, I've often lied about it in the past and kind of been like, oh yeah, my friend grows. But look, I've, despite my activism and my, my public out, 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 outspokenness on this issue, like I, I still do continue to, to grow cannabis and uh, I will continue to grow cannabis and I won't stop. I'm going to do it in my, my home and I'm going to do it in my garden. And I'm going to do it in other places as a gorilla gardener too. And I encourage others to do it as well. You know, I'm growing your own cannabis. It's a, it's a very empowering affair and it does, it is a gateway drug actually. Um, but it's, it's not a gateway drug to other drugs. It's actually a gateway drug to other vegetables and stuff like that. Because once you start growing cannabis, you're going to want to start growing thyme, oregano, parsley and every other bloody thing in between as well, you know, <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I, I won't lie, I, I, I will be adding some cannabis plants out there as well. I'll be using some autoflowers uh, out into the polytunnel there very soon. Oh, you're muted there again. Dope.
0: <laughs> Dope. Thank you so much for joining us again. Do you want to plug yourself one last time and tell everybody how to find you if they're catching asleep.
1: Yeah, yeah. Martin's World. Uh, Martin's uh, is probably the best place to go. And up there, you'll find all of the social links. Uh, and choose your poison, whichever one you, you prefer to go to. The only one that I don't have up there, actually, I think is TikTok. Actually, um, so if you're on TikTok, you're gonna have to find me by Martin's World. <laughs> I'll, I'll add TikTok to, to, the, to, the, to the dot IE there at some stage, and my daughter will be delighted. <laughs> there
0: you go, and you can find uh, links to all his socials up there at the top right of his website. Yeah, exactly.
1: And as I said, uh, I will be very active over the coming months. So uh, it will be uh, worthwhile to subscribe to YouTube. Uh, it's probably where uh, I'll be most active.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for the wonderful episode. Uh, it's been quite the journey. We've talked about quite a slew of different topics and uh, <laughs> all kinds of interesting things. So It's been quite a great conversation. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on here in a couple of months and follow up with the uh, with where things are on in Ireland and what's going on with you in your world, so the, uh, definitely looking forward to that.
1: Um, yeah, any anytime. And uh, again, thanks very much for affording me the opportunity to to speak to your audience. Uh, I hope people enjoyed the conversation, and uh, I hope my accent wasn't too tick.
0: <laughs> oh no, no, it's fine. We have people from all over the world on here, so they're excellent. They're definitely used to. Um, thank you so much. And uh, for those of you who want to find the podcast, you can find us on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, all the things at Potent or Growing with Fishes. Uh, You can find out Marty and I's uh, online class, apmjclass.com. If you need aquaponic cannabis nutrients, you can find us at apmjnewts.com. And uh, one second here. I actually found the website for the uh, conference I was trying to mention earlier. I did want to mention them. I'm speaking there. Here it is, organiccultivators.net for the conference on that. Let me throw that up here. Real quick. Uh, Put on by Wendy Kornberg. Find it here. If you're in Oklahoma, um, it will be the end of July. And I have, oh, sorry. There you go. Um, You can find more information on the conference there. Um, You got Wendy Kornberg, Chris Chomp, Ben Acadia, myself, uh, Dan Kittredge. Um, Wendy Kornberg, uh, Patrick King, um, uh, and a whole, uh, Susan Wainwright-Evans, uh, Jana Beckerman, and a whole bunch of other wonderful people. Um, so if you want to check that out, you can over at uh, OrganicCultivators.net, uh, as well as a bunch of other resources. Uh, Alrighty, thank you everybody for watching. Uh, you can find us at uh, again at apmjclass.com. Uh, apmjnewts.com if you need aquaponic Cannabis Nutrients uh, or at um, uh, your favorite podcast platform at Growing With Fishes or Ponics. Thanks a lot. It's been a wonderful episode with Martin's World and again remember next Thursday we will be with Tommy Chong live at 3pm Pacific instead of our normal time of 7.30. Um, We do have to do an earlier episode. He's only available uh, kind of during normal work hours for uh, you know He's an he, uh, older gentleman, so he, he enjoys. He's a defense. professional. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, we'll be on with you guys next week, next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific.